Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, Murph and Fred back together again, again. on ESPN 1000. How you doing, everybody? Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. It's Saturday, 9 until noon. We swam on in. <laughs> man, oh man, is it raining. Not bad. Uh, see, there are uh, many benefits to living in the far southwest suburbs uh, like I do. Number one, no one knows where you are unless you're also living out there. Uh-huh. And where is that, Murph? That sounds pretty far away. And the number two, it, uh, we didn't get much rain this morning, but uh, we got our fair share through the week. Yeah, I got a ton in Downers Grove this morning. 4.30 woke me up. <laughs> You're still sleeping at 4.30? Heck yeah. <laughs> Sleep till 5.50. Busy day today. Glad you're with us. And uh, we'll get the ball rolling in one moment with our uh, Twitter poll question for 9 a.m. Let's set the table. The one, the only Jesse Rogers said he'll give us a call around 10 a.m. That'd be one hour till Jesse Rogers. Around 10. He's got a big event today, too. He He's does. out at uh, Printer's Row. He's going to be talking uh, baseball. He's everywhere. About He's his everywhere. book, Try Not to Suck, later on today He's around got a 1. Garage full of them up there in Actually, Northbrook. I think right at 12 o'clock, but he'll give us the details <laughs> when it comes on. At 10 30, we're going to go, uh, going to take a trip. All the way down to Birmingham, Alabama. Well, we're going to hear from the uh, voice of the AA White Sox, the Birmingham Barons. Find out what's going on. AA White Sox, Fred, uh, five All-Stars. We'll get to that. and uh, But we want to hear about Eloy. Yep. Uh, Eloy Jimenez apparently got hit up by a pitch. He's missed a few games. Uh-huh. But uh, we'll see what's going on with Eloy as uh, he is still down in AA. Do you think our uh, guest, uh, Kurt Bloom, will have that uh, beautiful uh, southern drawl? Or... I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. We're tired of hearing Syracuse-based broadcasters <laughs> with the perfect, perfect What's up, French can? Let's schedule that for about uh, 11.15 today, Eric. <laughs> uh, we didn't cover that. It's basically the whole show. In the pre-show love fest uh-huh. upstairs. And 11 o'clock, baseball man said he'll give us a call. Ned Coletti. 25 years as a assistant GM and a general manager, uh, longtime uh, baseball man, but a Chicago guy. So we'll be busy. We'll we'll shoehorn in. We're going to shoehorn in some uh, Belmont uh, stakes. Uh, uh, justified goes for the Triple Crown. Triple Crown. There you go. All right. Is that it? Yeah. All right. Hope he didn't blink. You missed Eddie Olchek's picks. Uh, He likes the one and the four. Uh He likes the one, all four, and the one, four, all. And, uh, you know, it costs you I don't know how much. But, uh, yeah, he he likes the one and the four. Box the river and uh, wheel it. Mm -hmm. Whatever. But whatever he says, I would do it. I did did part of it. I like the one and the four, but I like the three. So, you know, who knows? Let's get the ball rolling. How about a little Twitter poll music? Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Vote right now. Now at ESPN 1000 for the uh, 9 o'clock poll. Who was the Cubs star of the game yesterday? Oh, that's simple. Uh, A, Ian Happ, three big catches, two great catches, final one better than the previous two. Yep. To end the game, you could almost call that a walk-off, diving, running catch uh, as he headed from left field towards the foul pole. Well, I just think in the old days, he could have just kept going to the door in the corner into the locker room. Could have clicked his heels a That's couple right. times just, just to like irritate Ronnie. Fred even more. Just like Ronnie. 
They ran right into the clubhouse. Doesn't take much to irritate Fred, especially if I talk about clicking heels. But we got more. We got more to cover in the next. That three never hours. bothered me when it was happening because I didn't. I didn't understand what he was doing. No, you so. weren't watching anyway. I watched every game. You were watching Channel Forty Four, trying to pick up your uh, socks. Didn't play during the afternoon. The Cubs That's did. true. That's yeah. true. Uh, vote for the Cub uh, player star of the game. Ian Happ, three big catches. B. Mike Montgomery, third start in a row, filling in for who? You? Where is he? Where you is who? you? Where is you? <laughs> With uh, six or uh, six innings pitched, one earned run, a quality start, or C. The new leadoff hitter for the Cubs, Chris Bryant, three for four uh, in the leadoff slots. So vote right now. Who was the Cubs' star of the game? Let's uh, take a look at what happened yesterday in sports. And I know, Eric, you got a few sound bites ready there for us. The uh, White Sox and the Cubs both win. Great pitching performances on uh, both sides of town. The White Sox facing Chris Sale in Boston. Fred Sox win one to nothing. Chris Sale with the loss. Could not have been happier. And uh, Covey, uh, Dylan Covey, uh, with the uh, with the giant W out there. The only thing that would have made me happier is if the White Sox threw the old uh, throwback jerseys. That would have been fun. So the ones that he cut up. He could have got his scissors out, you mean? Yeah, that would have been nice to wear those for Chris Sale yesterday. <laughs> Dylan Covey outduels Chris Sale, as yep. I wrote down here on the yellow pad. Six scoreless innings for Covey. How about this, Chris Sale? Now... I heard this somewhere. I believe it to be true. He threw a pitch 100 miles an hour. Yep. And the note that I, well, I heard and wrote down was it was the first time he's been, could this be right? The first time he's thrown a clock at 100 miles an hour since his rookie year? That might be. He is the sixth starter this year Uh to throw 100. Um, The others are Otani, Severino, um, Thor, you know him, Syndergaard, Cole, and uh, Fultonevich. So let me ask everyone and you this, Fred, three three two three seven seven six. Was this a just a, you know, coincidence, a fluke, random walk, or was he so jacked up against the White Sox that all of a sudden, boom, his first 100 mile an hour on the radar since rookie year? Well, he was jacked up, plus he's had a couple of rough outings of late, uh-huh. so I figure going against his former team, and, uh, you know, he's, he was short a couple guys on that team. So, figure going out there, they said, uh-huh. Jason Benetti said he was working up a sweat. Benetti asked Steve Stone, he goes, did you work up a sweat during your games? <laughs> Steve Stone said, well, it depended on the temperature and the humidity. He basically said, it's humid today, even though it's not cold. How come I just did Stoney like the Ron Gleason voice? Did yeah, you, you notice did. It that? was exactly like Ron Gleason. I yeah. tell you, my good buddy Steve Stone, there was a couple occasions, I mean... He 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 can do a thousand words without taking a breath, and he did it throughout the eighth and ninth inning. I usually don't bother you, Fred, during the game. I texted you. I go, I got it. Does he ever shut up? Yeah, he was on a roll. He's the best. He was breaking it down when the White Sox bullpen came in, and his counterpart who gets better and better. We took the survey a a couple weeks ago, the text poll, Twitter poll rather, and didn't the fans? uh, they had uh, Jimmy Deshays right there with uh, Stoney, if I recall our results, right, yeah. with Best in Town. Yeah, Deshays is doing great. But yesterday, now I, Thursday, I was running errands in that day game, so I didn't see a lot of the game. I didn't hear. So I, Friday, I texted you again, Fred. I said, who's filling in along with, you know, yeah. with Len Casper? Who's filling in for J.D.? Yeah, and oh, you, it was him. It was Jim Deshays, what happened is he was having a sort of a throat thing. Yeah. And every most broadcasters get him once a year and uh 
He said, if I talk in my normal voice, I'll start screeching. So I have to talk very low, like a Barry White. It was weird. He even threw the Barry White out there, which I've used numerous times, too, yeah. when, I'm, when I'm getting cold. He was even singing as, the, uh, as we call yes. the bumper into breaks. He sang several times. Yeah, he did. EO 11. Do people know what the uh, what a bumper? When I say that's like a bumper, people don't. Eo, Eric Ostrowski, Eo Eleven. People don't even know what that mean, means. Why right? we should well, tell everyone what a bumper is? Please. Yeah, that's kind of radio jargon. Basically, yeah. the music coming into break or uh-huh. out of break. So bumping in is the music you hear right. coming out of the commercial break, right. and then a bump out is vice versa. Okay. All right, because we're going to talk about that later. That was what we call a tease. Okay, cool. Something in the uh, another thing in the television, uh, the TV call last night. Uh, NBA Game 4, as we all know, uh, Golden State wrapped it up 108-85 over Cleveland. A tease, something that uh, now we explain to you. It's, an, it's oh, a yeah. radio thing, it's a TV thing, and also a thing that a lot of women have. <laughs> Very good at it. Let the record show. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, I'll give you a tease of the tease. How's okay. that? Okay. I can't get no satisfaction. Rolling yep. Stones, 1965. Sure. The actual title... I can't get no is in parentheses, a parenthetical expression. So the real name's just satisfaction. All right, let's do it now. No more teasing allowed. It was used as a bumper last night. Uh, out of a break in a fourth quarter in the... Uh, oh, was it? Yeah. Because he... Uh, Late in the game, ABC 7. Yeah, I didn't have the sound on for the basketball game right, right. Uh, for one moment. But because on the White Sox games, yeah. they used all songs from Boston-based groups. Oh, yeah. So they used Jay Giles. My they Mary- used Aerosmith. My- they used everybody. Oh, okay. oh I'm sorry. That was okay. great. Yeah. Because uh, my Marianne walking away. Right. Boston. See my Marianne walking away. You don't know that one? Yeah, I just, I'm not a big fan of that one. He had other ones. That's their best song, I thought. Oh, I don't like it. Walking Away, is that the title? I don't think so. Hmm. We'll look it up. Go to work there. That's what we got on the computer. So... Yeah, oh. but but they, yeah, I didn't I didn't hear the uh, what they did on TV. Yeah, so I was not listening to uh, the NBA, and plus it was pointless to watch it after the middle of the third. It quarter. It was pointless to watch after game one regulation. Didn't you yeah. feel it was just more a, than a feeling? More than a feeling. More than a feeling. Yeah. See, yeah. not walking away, my right. Marianne walking. More yeah. than a feeling. More than a feeling is a big. Yeah. You're too young for that song. You ever heard of it? I have. I like Boston. Actually, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. a big fan, but a fan. All right. So vote right now. Who was the Cubs' uh, star of the game? Was it uh, Ian Happ? Three big catches. Mike Montgomery. Six innings, quality start, one earned run. <laughs> He's making it interesting here. We'll talk to Jesse. What happens when you come back? I mean, uh, you comes back. Not only is he making it interesting, <laughs> he's also, because he's pitching so well and Chatwood's not, hmm. even though Joe said it's, it was an improvement with the seven walks, um, they they could have saved their $38 million and just made Montgomery the number five starter. But no, 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 no. Wasn't, that Murph, that. And, wasn't that Murph and Fred last Saturday? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Right. Why would you want to make Montgomery a starter? He only wants to start. He's wanted to start. Well, you, He's a lefty. Well, you didn't even... You, you could have saved $126 million on Darvish also. Uh, yeah, they would, have, they would have gone after Darvish anyway. So I'm figuring they would have just saved the 38. Yeah, 17 times 2. Yeah. Chatwood, right? Yeah, they would have saved the money on Chatwood. What could Chatwood? you have done with $17 million this year? Well, I'll tell you. You could have signed three guys at... Uh, two guys at the $8 million, three guys at $6 million. Real guys. Huh? And he's showing. Give him the opportunity. You stretch him out a little bit. He, he's pitching really, really, really well. It's great to see. I love seeing my recovery pitch well. Three starts. Yep. Six innings. All quality. Six innings. 
in five and two-thirds innings. We have those numbers. I'll break those down for you in a few minutes. But yeah, uh, his ERA actually went up despite his uh, six one inning. He is now one oh two as a starter. Yeah, he's he's been crazy. Yeah, it's been just amazing. And uh, <clears throat> in uh, oh, and yesterday. The Cubs and Sox. I mean, the pitching was unbelievable. Tremendous. Sox give up one run. Cubs give up one run for the day. All right. I combined the two pitching lines. 18 innings. All right. 12 hits. One. Uh, let's see. One run. That was Montgomery. Uh, three walks. 14 strikeouts. Uh, a combined DRA in Chicago of 0.50. There you go. Yesterday. The, the Cubs in a uh, three hours. The White Sox a snappy 224 yesterday. Exactly right. Uh-huh. All right, here it is. Mike Montgomery in three starts. 17 and two-thirds innings. Let's just call it 18. It's a little easier to, okay? 6-6 six, six and 5 and two-thirds. Three games, 17 and two-thirds innings. 11 hits for Montgomery in those three starts. Two Ernie's, two earned <laughs> runs, two walks, 10 strikeouts, a combo ERA of 1.02. That's right. Yeah. Yep. If he'd have got one more out, it would have been uh, 1.00. Uh-huh. Now, how about Darvish? Darvish has, okay, so Montgomery, uh, 2-0 and in those three uh, starts, Okay. They won all three, but he didn't get the uh, W. Farrell in that long game, when Farrell pitched another five innings, he, he sucked up a W. Right. So Montgomery in three games is 2-0 and uh, with an earned run average of uh, one. Darvish in his eight starts, he doesn't even have two wins yet. He's uh-huh. one and three. 40 innings pitch compared to Montgomery's, uh, you know, 18. He's given up 36 hits compared to 11 in like twice as much. Uh, runs allowed, 24 as opposed to, to 2. <laughs> Did you get that? Yeah, 24 to 2. Earned run average, uh, 4.95, call it 5. So everyone, oh, it's automatic. When Darvish comes back, he gets in the rotation. Well, I guess it is. I mean, you're paying the guy, you know, for the next six years, right? $20 million? Yep. Chatwood, uh, obviously someone's going to be odd man out unless they go to six. Chatwood, well, they'll probably go to six for a little while. Chatwood's got 12 starts. The Cubs have actually won half of those starts. He's three and four. Um, the Cubs have won half of his starts so mm-hmm. far this season. They won six of those 12 games. But uh, he has 56 walks. Yeah. And as of yesterday, no one else in baseball had 40. No. Nobody had 40. Yeah. Which is amazing because the White Sox have Lucas Giolito. I've never seen anything like this. Sometimes Chatwood's pinpoint. Yeah. Then it's like two and two, and he'll throw a pitch, you know, like in uh, Bull Durham where he takes the head off the cardboard mascot uh-huh. over by the on-deck circle. Yeah. They say he, I didn't check this out, but I guess in Colorado he always walked a little more than like the norm. Okay. But nothing like this. Well, Colorado, you can actually even figure it out. You know, his curveball's not curving, so, you know, it's a little bit more difficult. But the fastball's not, not fast. Yeah, but you remember, he pitched better on the road last yeah, year. Yeah, now yeah, all of his I games know. are away from Coors Field. See? Those stat guys can trick you. Just like when the Cubs got uh, Jeff Blauser, because he was such a good hitter at Wrigley Field. Those propeller heads can trick you, because yeah. they can't measure 
The heart. They forgot that he was pit- that Jeff Blauser was hitting Cub pitching. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons he was hitting so good. All right, so let's break down the Cub game yesterday. Uh, oh, uh, oh, White Sox. I'm sorry, Fred. Uh, let's put a cap on that for right now. We'll revisit uh, with White Sox double-A play-by-play man. Find out how Eloy and the crew's doing down at double-A around 1030. Uh, to, uh, put a bow on it. So Dylan Covey goes six innings, outduels Chris Sale. Uh, six scoreless innings. Chris Sale with his first 100-mile-an-hour pitch since his rookie year, all jacked up. And the bullpen perfect for the White Sox, as we mentioned, three innings pitched, no hits, no yeah, walks, four strikeouts. Fry, one inning. Nate Jones, one inning. Soria, one inning. He might be, he's had two or three, four good outings there. Yeah. You might be getting some from him uh, well, you know, at the and, trade deadline, and Nate Fred. Jones, Nate Jones, after after giving uh, it up a couple of uh, he's had some rough couple outings ago, he's actually had a couple of, couple of back-to-back good ones. Mm-hmm. Dylan Covey, in uh, 2017, he had 70 innings pitched for the White Sox. Right. He gave up 20 home runs. This year, 28 and a third, so that's probably, it's right around a little bit more than uh, a third of what yeah. he pitched last year. No home runs given up. And the uh, game, uh, the only RBI in the game, Trey Thompson, and he's been scuffling a little bit. Good athlete, as we know, brothers in the NBA, great outfielder. But you know, sure gonna, he's a fine basketball player. He's going to have to hit a little bit, but he hit yesterday. The infield sucked in. Uh, What's his bottom of the sixth? So he uh, is able to give the W then to uh, Covey, who is going to leave the top game. Top seven. Uh, top of the seventh. Yeah. Right, but uh, Covey was still a pitcher of record is right. what I meant to say. Thank you. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, Trey Thompson steps up. Man on third. Infield sucked in. Less than two out. Remember my old buddy, Connie Mack, always said it adds 100 points to the batter's average. But he hits a bullet. With the infield in, Chris Sale to Trace Thompson. And a line drive cracks the score column for the Sox. Thompson scores. Smith, it is one to nothing. There you go. Highlights there. Good old uh, Channel 9 WGN TV. Well, for Trace Thompson, if in fact the Polden infield uh, adds 100 points to your batting average, uh-huh. that would mean he'd be hitting 231. <laughs> so that's a wonderful uh, Is he average. down to 131? 131, yeah. He's, he's not, not good. <laughs> And of course, the infield sucks in. Yeah, he can carry his brother's bags in the next another year or two. Allows the uh, hard hit ground balls to sneak through quicker. Now they call it exit velo. Yeah. Or the little dunkers to fall in, or like this, the liner that the shortstop probably might have climbed the ladder and grabbed if yep. they were at, at normal depth. But they also hey, he had, wasn't. Speaking of exit velo, they also had yeah. the exit velo for the uh, Jose Rondon bunt the other. What uh, a yesterday. great bunt! Yeah, nice bunt. Wow. It, it goes off the grass, and bunt you figure for, it's going to go. Hit. I'm right? sorry, bunt I'm sorry. for a hit. Yeah. You figure it's going to roll off the into foul territory it gets to the line and it straddles the line goes uh-huh. back and forth back and forth <laughs> exit velocity of 18.7 right and Miles launch angle was not even calculated because no, they not. couldn't because it went down yes but yeah it was very a, nice bunt that might have been the best bunt for a hit that you'll ever see in your life classic right-handed hitter not to push bunt lefty to the other side he puts the bat out got the right elbow up yep. right down the line like you said fred it died at the 89 foot mark on the line one time they showed it in slow just motion just one time they showed it yeah. later in slow motion an inning or two later and there was one instant where for a blink of an eye it did roll off the foul line foul but the next half a revolution it was right back on so the third baseman never had time to swish it away into foul territory the only thing he could have done is gotten yeah. on all on all four and watched it and as soon as it did that you know maybe he had his hand over the ball as yeah. soon as it boom boom I remember Lenny Randall did that years ago and was 
Yeah. He blew the ball foul. They put a rule on the next day. Yeah. You can't do that. It would have been nice if the guy <laughs> moved ahead. He just made a little footmark in the, over the line. So all no, you can't do that. Either. I know. But you can't you, scrape a footmark and get sit on the trench. You got to try. <laughs> you got to try anything. EO 11. Did you ever hear about when the guy got down and blew the rolling uh, bunt foul? <laughs> Not that, huh? I don't know if I've actually I've heard of kids yeah. joking around about that. Lenny Randall. Lenny Randall. Good for him. Got that on all go. four. Got that on all fours, and he yeah. started blowing at the ball. Yeah. Did it work out at all? Well, it went foul. The ball didn't foul, but it looked good. Yeah. Maybe it did. No, I mean, you don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it, they didn't. As Bill Zeck always said, the next day they'll always put a rule in against it, so save it for when you need it. Absolutely. It's a kid's game. I'm glad he had fun. <laughs> Let's take a look at the uh, Cubs game yesterday. Hey, are we getting some votes there? EO11, who was the Cubs star of the game? 3323776, vote now at ESPN 1000. Was it Ian Happ with the three big catches? Each one better than the last one. Final one, a walk off diving. Can you use that phrase? Walk off, diving catch. It ended the game. Sure. Everybody walked off. I don't see why you couldn't. Uh, B, Mike Montgomery. And C, Chris Bryant. The brand-new leadoff hitter. We'll talk about that. Another move by Joe. Now, if they lose the game and he goes 0 for 4, you know what everyone's saying? What's he doing, man? Oh, Jesus, move it on. But it worked, and uh, no one's upset today about that. I no problem with him leading off. He's uh, he's not hitting the ball long. Ooh. He's getting on base. He's doing the one thing that Joe Madden has asked all of his players to do. Mm-hmm. There's two players on his team that are doing what he asks. One of them is Ben Zobrist. The other is Chris Bryant. And what he's asking them to do is move the baseball. Javi doesn't move the baseball. Hap doesn't move the baseball. Schwarber does sometimes. Rizzo, he's hitting real well right now. Uh, but they ask him to move the baseball. And that's what that's what Bryant does. He hits the ball where it's pitched. People are not giving him the ball where he likes it. So he's hitting the ball where it's pitched. And he's getting on base. He, he went three for four. He's up to 301 right now. Well, here's the thing. You're exactly right. Chris Bryant has not homered in 22 games. All right. So... In this case, it makes sense. Why do you want men on base in front of Bryant? This is my old argument. Right. Reversed. Yeah. I want to you bet Bryant third, Joe. Or not second. Have men on base for Bryant. He hasn't homered in 22 games. Fred, you even had more on that. I know with how many at-bats or isn't. Well, he had, as of as of Thursday morning, he had gone 92 plate appearances without a home run. That eight was the more. longest in his career. So now there's a... The longest eight, in his career. Eight or nine more. Right. So he's at 100. He's over 100 at this point. And by the way, the lineup is out already for today. Guess okay. what do you think, Joe? What do you think Joe did? Well, Brand's leading off again. Yes, he is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he, uh, he gave Hayward a uh, day or two off after. Nope. Really? Jason's out there in right field. No, no, no. I was going to. No, I was going to say. So he's definitely. Oh, playing. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. So Hayward's definitely uh, in there again today. He had a day off earlier. Uh, well, he's going to. Well, he's got. He can't keep playing Zobrist in the three hole. Who's bad? Who's if bad? you're a fan of Javi Baez, you don't have to go to the game. Ha- Javi's not playing. Javi's got to rest. They're sitting him down. Oh, well, Russell's back with yep. the injured uh, boo on the finger. Yep. So, uh, Hap, Hap's playing. So, Hap's it's uh, second today. No. Center. Hap's, no Almora. <laughs> okay. You know what? <laughs> I give up. Just give me the, give me the lineup. Brian, Brian is leading <laughs> off at third. Chris, right. uh, Jason Hayward in right. Ben Zobrist at second. Hitting third, Anthony Rizzo is at first. Wilson Contreras is catching. Then Kyle Schwarber hitting sixth and left. Hap 
in center field, hitting seventh. Addison Russell hitting eighth at short. John Lester is your pitcher, weather permitting. Now I don't know if at one twenty. I don't know if Ian Happ can play center, but there's one thing he did yesterday, and that was he he played left field. He had three catches. I won't say three great catches because the first catch was you know. A little. It was for him. It was above average because he hasn't shown a lot, as we know, uh, defensively in the outfield. He came in early in the game, made a diving, rolling catch to his right. Yep. In the old days, you would have run right through it. Yes, you would. He wouldn't have dove, but they all right. do now. That's fine. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care. And then the second catch was uh, going back. Uh, towards the curve of the well, as they officially call it at Wrigley Field, with that really, really nice over-the-shoulder running against, uh, you know, away from the ball, over the shoulder. Uh, Doug Glanville had a little uh, Jimmy Pearsall yesterday with a ball-wall ball, doing some nice breakdowns on how difficult, you know, running away from the ball backhand is. But that was nothing. Let's go now to the, well, it's going to turn out to be the... uh, Final, final uh, out of the game. It's a three to one score, and uh, pitching now is Strope because uh, Morrow had pitched uh, the last two days in a row. As had Seashet. Cubs at a short bullpen, so he didn't want to get this thing creeping into extras. Though he did have Farrell ready, man on second, two out. Uh, so the tying run at the plate. If this ball goes for a double or triple in the left field, it's three to two. And with two out, you'd have the tying run uh, uh, on second or, or at third least base. On second. If you would have missed that ball, you would have been at least on second. Uh, he, um, that was Harrison hit it. Yeah, he'd have probably yeah. been on third by the time uh, uh, Hap, you know, uh, got up yeah. and ran back all the way. The ball would have been rattling around, like you said, by the old uh, sure. clubhouse door. But maybe Ian Hap can make the third big play of the game. Yeah, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. Yeah, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. Fly ball well hit to left, and it is caught! He did it again! What a game for Ian Happ, the hat trick in left. Cubs win! Cubs win! 3-1 the final! Come on, get happy! <laughs> the happer! Yeah, the hat trick, and a good a good call by uh, Len Casper yesterday. On uh, good old NBC uh, Sports Chicago. A great uh, day for Hap. So today Joe Mann says, you know what, kid? Get out there. Maybe you're a center fielder in your body and your mind, and you didn't know it until now. But Hap also, the good news, two blistering line drives uh, for outs, but he... Uh, drove a ball to uh, the uh, warning track uh, and a hard hit, not just a pop-up that went to the track and the uh, second inning to center. And then he hit a, a blazing bullet uh, to right field. He was over 3 on the day, uh, but two hard hit balls, which is always a nice sign, and the two uh, nice plays. Let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski. Let's get the results from uh, EO11. From EO11. What the fans say? Who was the star of the game? Uh, Ian Happ. See, this is a tough one, Fred. I don't even know how I would vote. Ian Happ, the three big catches. You don't win the game without those if the ball is rolling right. around out there. Uh, Mike Montgomery, third big time start in a row. Quality start, six innings, one earned run. And Chris Bryant, 
sort of lost in the shuffle, but first time he's ever batted leadoff in his major league career. Oh, I did it, I think, in high school or college, but he went three for four. He served two base hits out, clean, nice hits, an infield hit. However you cut it, three for four. I'm going to say the fans voted to B overwhelmingly. Uh, Fred, uh, you want to vote on that? I go with Montgomery. All right, but I'll tell you, it's hard not to vote for Ian Happ. Eric? So hard not to vote for him that 53% of them voted for Hap's big three catches really? with the win. Really? 35% said Montgomery and uh-huh. 12% said Bryant. Uh, well, nicely done. See, nobody likes Bryant if he's not hitting homers, apparently. Well, he ain't hitting any <laughs> homers. But, you know what? 12%. How about this? Oh, Come on, I, he's KB. He's I, one of the best players in the game. Eric, I know we're running late. Check this out. Chris, we'll ask Jesse in about a half hour. Chris Bryant's slugging percentage goes down each of the last three years. His batting average and on-base percentage go up each of the last three years. On-base is about a tie. So here's a guy, the power is going bye-bye, and he's becoming a better hitter. I don't know if that's what you want, though, with Chris Bryant, is it? Well, if he's going to be your leadoff guy, it's okay. <laughs> well, that's why he's the leadoff man, because right. he's not hitting any homers. Yeah. Murph and Fred back in a flesh. Hey, uh, vote now. Here's our 930 Twitter poll question. When does LeBron James' decline begin? When does the uh, LBJ fall-off start? A, already has. B, next season. C, two years from now. D, who knows when the decline begins? Vote right now at ESPN 1000. And Fred with you every Saturday morning. Jesse in a few minutes. We'll go down on the farm. White Sox double-A Birmingham Barons play-by-play guy. Get a little scouting report on five all-stars down there, but uh, specifically Eli. Eli's coming to see how that's uh, going. And uh, oh, the great Ned Coletti will join us. He's settled phone from out west around 11 o'clock this morning. Talk some baseball with longtime front office Chicago guy executive Ned Coletti. For those who may be looking mm-hmm. after the White Sox win yesterday, they yeah. are now twenty-one and forty. Mm-hmm. That is uh, tied for third uh, in the uh, Baltimore. Would get the first pick. Kansas City the second. Mm-hmm. Sox and Cincinnati both have uh, similar records. Uh, twenty-one and forty for the White Sox. The Reds are twenty-two and forty-two. Both thirty-four or three forty-four percent. Uh, so right now the third pick in the draft after they took uh, the fourth pick last week. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So we'll see how things are going. Their fourth pick last uh, last night. He had a base hit his first time up. Scored a run for uh, Oregon State. They play again really? today. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Madrigal playing uh, playing have, shortstop. Playing shortstop machine. for them. So where's he going to play with the uh, big club? Shortstop. And Tim Anderson uh, somewhere center field somewhere or? else. Or bye bye, you mean? No, the other. I just mean somewhere else. Right. Uh, he On won't, the field, he, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And maybe they move Madrigal to third, but usually you don't want a really short third baseman. Mm-hmm. And he is only five. Uh, he's he is only five seven. Another hitting machine, right? He just puts the ball in play. Got a magic wand. That's what you need. Guys mm-hmm. can put the ball in play. Mm-hmm. And uh, put a, a button here on the uh, Chris Bryan from just before the hour. Uh, Slash line. Does everyone know what slash line means? That's the. Uh, I think so. Now they yeah, do. Okay, the Most batting average, and then the on base, and then the uh, slugging, slugging. And you can, if you want, then add them together for OPS. But 
people go, I've taught even like uh, people that sort of know the game. They go, well, what's a, you know, what is a good splash line? Like everyone knows, oh, he's a 300 hitter. It sounds better than a 299 hitter, right? We know that. Yep. So I would just say it's, to, you know, keep it simple, stupid, uh-huh. being me. Slash line, a good one is 300, 400, 500. That's just an easy way to look at it. If, you got, if you're hitting 300, you got an on-base of 400, and you're slugging 500, you're having a heck of a year. Okay. So Chris Bryant right now, with the power down, he's projected in my, on my yellow pad to hit about 24 homers this year. You expect more out of him. 90 ribeyes. Still not bad, but you would expect over 100 usually. Yeah. So he's projecting to just 24 homers, as we said, hasn't homered in 22 games, uh, 90 ribbies. But here's what's interesting. The 300, 400, 500 uh, doing a, a nice job slash line. Yep. Is it, is 300, 400, 500. 301, 406, yep. 514. Yep. So Joe said, and this time you can't argue, put him in the leadoff slot until he starts banging the ball again. Because there's uh, not much banging going on right now, so maybe someone else can bang them in. They don't have many guys that have that three, four, and five hundred. There are never many. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, because right now, I mean, I'm looking at it, and uh, Rizzo's below that. He's yeah. he's two, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, interesting. But yeah, Chris Bryant just gets on base. He's a baseball player. He's mm-hmm. he's a guy. He just goes out and plays the game. Hey, one more thing on the Cubs. Let's let's do the old. You know, I found my what-if bell after I lost it about five years ago. You know, what if? People always go, what if? And finally I got tired of people going, what if? Always they go, you know, what if Mike Harkey wins 20 games this year, Murph? Uh, so I just, you know. But what if Jason Hayward, Fred? Yeah. Eric, what if Jason Hayward, what if, being the key words, what if he's actually, you know, back or Better than, you know, he's been for two, three years. He's got five multi-hit games, I, I think, know. in the last ten. What if? Yeah. Now, he's two for four yesterday. Right. And the first two at-bats, he went oppo on pitches that were middle of the plate. Well, the first time off, it just skinned that third base line. Was, down the line, it was, it was perfect. It was beautiful hit. runners on second and third, it, it was, was awesome. And, yeah. the short, and the third baseman was like... Past, Way over, yeah. Past where shortstop would be towards second. The old shift. So, you know, he went with it and, like you said, just flicked it. Yep. I mean, he flicked it hard, but yeah. just boom. Now, his next at bat, he also uh, uh, lined a, uh, a hit uh, to the left, towards left field. Uh, I don't remember if it was Jimmy Deshaies or who it was, but they intimated that he was he was slow on the fastball and it just sort of went that way. Okay. You know, he wasn't trying... I don't know. I thought he was trying to go that way. His head was almost looking towards third base when he hit it. Usually, if you're trying to pull it and you're late, your head's still going to be towards, you know, your pull side. Right. But whatever. Jim Deshays knows more than I. The point is, though, he can't dispute. He went oppo twice. Yep. And got two hits. Then what does he does? Then, then what does what? he does? <laughs> what, does he, what does he does? What the heck? Uh, what did you do? Uh-huh. Me? No. You did nothing. He's on the DL. His next two at-bats, he, uh, he hit squarely, but he uh, grounded out twice, third base on a first base three unassisted. Right. And, you know, every time he does that, then he doesn't hit for, you know, two, three weeks. But what if? Now, this will just be fun with numbers. EO11, pull up if you have a minute there. Uh, Hayward uh, this year. I'll need his uh, total at-bats uh, in a minute uh, and his total hits. All right, so... 
Let's do a little back of the um, uh, envelope uh, arithmetic. Okay. okay. So let's just say, again, the name of the segment, what, what if. if. All right. What if he did go two for four every game the rest of the way? Okay. Just to see, you know. All right. So there's about 100 games left. This is back of the envelope with the pencil. Let's say he's going to play about 80 per, Say he plays 80 more games. All right. Let's say he gets, uh, you know, four at-bats. He's going to walk some plate appearance. Let's make it easy. That's 320 at-bats if he plays 80 games. Let's say he goes two for four every game. Okay. And that, that's uh, 160 hits for the next 320 at-bats. Okay. Can he hit 400? <laughs> Can he hit 450? Now, all right, Eric, what is he at? Uh, again, for the name of the uh, segment. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Can he hit 400? But everyone's got yeah, No one's hit 400. Move out of the way, Ted Williams. Yeah, Ted Williams everyone's and, and Jason Hayward. Everyone's going, <laughs> Jason's back. Look at this. He's back. He's back. Okay. They start, cut, they start breaking down the swing of Ted All Williams. Right. It's so similar to All Jason right. Hayward's. And Ted Williams goes never went oppo, even when Lou Boudreaux put all eight oh, guys yeah. out there in yeah. right field of seven. Uh, I know he didn't really. I know the third baseman stayed by short. Okay. But, uh, okay, so what, what's he at now uh, uh, at bats? Aaron? He has 157 at bats. Oh, I like that. Call 160. My lucky day. And he has how many hits? Uh, hits, 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 hits. 42. Okay. So... He's going to end up then with uh, another 100, and, let's see, 320 more, no, 160 more bats. No. No, that's not right. 160 more hits. Right. See, I knew this would be not as easy. 320 at bats, that's, that's eight. So he's going to have 480 at bats. And the 42 hits he has now, he's getting 160 more hits. Thank 202 you, hits. <laughs> 202 hits. Let's divide. Anyone got their? I got a calculator out? here. What, what do you need? All right, the, the uh, big and total, one sixty divided by. No, two eight uh, two o two divided heck by. What am I doing? Yeah, here? I don't know. Four. Okay, the big and total, two o two divided by four eighty. Okay, two o two divided by four eighty. Yeah. You be hitty. Stop! No, no, I'm just waiting. It again. Four twenty one. I told you. There you go. He's on the pace to beat the splendid splinter. There you go. He's on a pace. Four twenty one <laughs> is what he'd be hitting. Okay. All he's got to do is go oppo twice a game and then ground out to first twice a game. All he's got to do two for four the rest of the season. Ah, uh, the great Ted Williams can step aside. In all seriousness, what if this guy? Is able to get a hit or two every other day, you know, get some hits. It would really be huge. Sure would. That's be. all I'm saying. Yep. If he's not the automatic out, you can bat him number two. What happens then? You don't have an automatic out in the eight hole, followed by the National League pitcher nine hole. So you know, it kills you yeah. when your number eight hitter was uh, automatic out. It also then uh, lets you uh, bet uh, if Bryant back to three. I mean, it gives you so much more maneuverability. If please, Aaron, could just stay on a little bit of a pace. We're not even asking for four. We're not asking for four twenty-one. No. Come on. How did Eric? No, Jason Hayward doesn't hit 421. That 184 million is not worth it. Eric, they got the capathetic. So what is it called? Cap- Capathetical. Yeah. All right. So the what if game is the same game. Yeah, naturally, right? yeah. All right, so I can't get in trouble for stealing because I've had the what if bill for 25 years, except I lost it five years ago. So the question is, Eric, on occasion, can we play the what if game just so it's not Jason Hayward being better than Ted Williams? <laughs> 
Yeah, as long as it's not Jason Hayward hitting 420, right. then yes, yeah. Jesse Rogers in a few minutes. Uh, we'll stay in the baseball beat Sox fans. Next thing you know, Mitchell Trubisky, three touchdowns a game. Back in a flash vote right now. 316. When does LB? 48 touchdowns. When does LB? It's a fun game. It's the what if game. When does LeBron James decline begin? Vote right now. A, it already has. B, not till next year. See, not for two more years. D, who knows? Vote at ESPN 1000. What if you vote? It's us. Back live in Chicago. Perfect Fred. Oops. I thought Dave Matthews was doing our bumper music. I thought it was. I tell you. And and we did explain bumper earlier in the show. Yeah, so we don't have to do it again. EO11, was that, that we thought that we were live? Well, we're always live, but uh, I go, Eric, Eric, are we on the air? Fred, that was the longest. What are you going to say? That was the longest That was the longest piece of music in a bumper I've ever, or in a commercial I've ever heard. Intro before they start uh, talking. Ah, always exciting. Always that little hook, left, left hook you don't see coming. Murph and Fred. Jesse Rogers in a few minutes. Uh, six, you know, while we're on that topic, so bumper music is what we call when we like right now what we're hearing, right? Right? Wipe out by the safaris is a bumper music bringing you back, bringing us back. So NBA game last night, watching it, and uh, everything worked out great. Cubs had a, a day game at one. Sox came on at six. The right. game started NBA what eight p.m. or whatever on the good old ABC seven here. Yep. So I, and the White Sox are over by uh, eight thirty-five. So, so everything worked out great. Right. Yeah, because I just have one TV. I know Fred, you got the little ones, uh-huh. uh, three of them there. Yep. Uh, but so around the uh, middle or late third quarter, uh, they're going uh, into a, a break out of the uh, you know basketball game. Yep. And uh, they played uh, they played the bumper of uh, satisfaction. The uh-huh. Rolling Stones. I can't. Yeah. Right. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? That's they have big production meetings, right? I mean, oh, sure big, they do. I mean, you got twenty, thirty production staff, and you got the cameramen and everything, and the people updating the stats. I mean, you probably got fifty people there. I'm just uh-huh. guessing, wouldn't you think? You know, ABC. Oh yeah, easily, easily, yeah. probably a hundred. And, and you know, I'm sure it's not just like willy nilly. Like, quick, grab a bumper. We're going into break. Hey, Joe, Joe, get a bumper. So they plan all that out. Yep. And I just found it interesting that uh, they would uh, go into a break uh, out of the game uh, in the third quarter with dun, 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 satisfaction. And then I was thinking, well, satisfaction, Fred, was written and done by the Stones in 1965. Okay. Now, what's the demo? You know, well, uh, yeah, and, uh, the young people, ever the millennials. So... It just, why would they, they obviously picked that song. Again, it didn't just last second, throw on something, oh my God, we're going in a break. Eric, you, you follow, you know the network stuff. Fred, you do too, more than I. Eric, why would they uh, pick that song? Or um, is it just, it just caught me off guard. I thought it was odd. Maybe not. I mean, I, I do believe that I bet the producers kind of have control of music they want to choose. Oh, I bet sure. they do. Oh, yeah. and, and that song brings it. Like, the, the instrumentals for that song, it's it's yeah. hype. So it's a good song to still use, I think. Yeah, I All agree. Right. I think everybody knows it, too. It's not like it's not like it's a song by, you know, somebody that people don't, don't right. know. Right, those Rolling riffs are really recognizable, right. absolutely. Well, here's what I was thinking, though. The song was done in 1965, right? That's 53 years ago. So I'm thinking, what if in 1965, you know, you were watching on TV 
and you're watching the NBA Finals in 1965, minus the same 53 years. That would have been 1912. Eric, you know the way they pull up top songs in America in 1912? I'm just trying to picture watching the game. Heck, I might have been watching. 1965 NBA Finals. And all of a sudden, they go into the break with uh, something from 1912. They go into break with Al Jolson's The Haunting Melody. There you go. Oh, that's Number sounds- one song in 1912. <laughs> that sounds real upbeat. Yep. Al Jolson. Al Jolson's all over the top ten. He's got five hits in the top ten in 1912. So maybe they didn't like the haunt. What was it? The haunting. What was? What what was the haunting melody? What was number two? Maybe that'd be a better. Number two is American Quartet's Moonlight Bay. Oh, that that would work for Golden State too in the Bay. Moonlight Bay. That was a toe tapper. Yep. That it didn't have. Any other Al Jolsons there as we go into? Our bumper break Number here. three, Raging the Baby <laughs> to Sheep. Okay. Is what it says. <laughs> I, I thought it was, that's why I said it weird. I thought it would say sleep, but Hit it the, says Raging the Baby to Sheep. Raging, huh? button. All yeah. right. That's a weird one. All right. Hey, uh, give us a bumper now, would you? We're up against the clock. We're going to talk with Jesse next. Jesse Rogers on some, uh, on the Cubs beat, uh, back on the White Sox beat, uh, double A. Find out how Eloy Jimenez is doing. Uh, Jimenez, you might say. All that and more. Murph and Fred, glad you're with us. Uh, vote, uh, what was our final vote there? Eric, when does LBJ's decline begin? LeBron James, A, already has. B, not till next season. C, no, oh, he's got two years left. D, who knows when his decline begins? What the fans say? This one's tight. With the lowest 9% next season, mm. 27% says already has, mm. 31% says two years, and the winner, 33%. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Ah, that's why we're here. Back in a flash, Jesse next. Murph and Fred voted ESPN 1000. to left, and it is caught! He did it again! What a game for Ian Happ! The hat trick in left! Cubs win! Wow. Cubs win! 3-1 the final! Great call, Len Casper, and the deep throat, Jim Deshays. Hope his voice is getting better, and good old Channel 9 WGN TV. One minute away from Jesse Rogers... Smurf and Fred, a busy day. Uh, here's our 10 o'clock Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. If you'd like to vote right now, which will go down? Which of these three will go down in history as the worst exchange? All right, the worst exchange. A, the Arietta for Darvish exchange. Okay. B, Lou Brock for Ernie Brolio exchange. Okay. Eloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana exchange, which many years from now will go down in history as the worst exchange. Can't say trade because one wasn't really right. a trade, but it was an exchange. The Arietta Darvish move, Lou Brocconi Brolio move. I told John Holland not to do that. And uh, Eloy. For Quintana, vote now. Which will go down as the worst of those three? Uh, vote now at ESPN 1000. Saturday, in the park. Hey, Jesse. 
Okay, Jesse Rogers covers the Cubs for us and for you. Not Darvish. For all of you. No. There it is. You who? PN 1000. And he still has a garage, a great Father's Day gift. He has a garage full of books. Hey, don't suck uh, this year. Uh, Jesse, <laughs> perfect friend. How are you? Give me, give me the title again. I try not to suck, and you guys do it every week, every Saturday morning. Well, uh, we do our yeah. best. Someday we'll <laughs> succeed, hopefully. Hey, fans, say to Jesse Rogers. Let's get into some Cubs talk. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. Vote right now. Uh, which will go down in history as the worst exchange? The Arietta Darvish exchange? Lou Brock, Ernie Brolio uh, exchange? Jesse, I told John Holland not to make that trade. Or Eli <laughs> for Jose Quintana. But let's bring it up to current, uh, and we'll find your results, everybody, in a few minutes. Lots going on, as you know, Jesse. Uh, we opened up the Twitter poll here. Who was the star of the game yesterday? A, Ian Happ with three big catches and the walk-off diving catch, as Fred said, near the old Cubs locker room. He could have ran right into the locker room and gotten out of the off the field right away. B, Mike Montgomery, starting pitcher, third, real nice uh, start in a row. Second quality start out of the first three with one earned run. He's been fabulous in for Darvish. Or C, the brand new leadoff man. I don't think I've ever batted leadoff since college or high school or Little League, but it's Chris Bryant. He went three for four in the leadoff slot. Uh, Jesse, I know you listen all the time, but you're busy today. You want to just take a guess? Did the fans vote star of the game, Happer, Montgomery, or Bryant? Well, I'll tell you what the fans voted, and, uh, and but then I'll give you my vote. Um, I, I say the fans voted Ian Happ. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, that's that's just because it's obvious. That's the highlight reel last night. If you watch the the mm-hmm. highlights and everything, it's diving catches. For my money, my vote, Mike Montgomery. Yeah, Mike Montgomery. Ian Happ is a good athlete. He should be making good catches like that. Now, three in one game is certainly great. Now, uh, and I guess if they were only up by one run yesterday in the ninth instead of two, then maybe I would have voted that because it would have really saved the game. Although it would have been three to two with a man on second, but uh, Mike Montgomery stepping in like he has, not just yesterday, but three games in a row like this, pitching basically like he did yesterday for three straight starts, that has been a godsend. And and I had my doubts about him, but I've spent some time with him. I wrote about him yesterday. I think he has matured a little bit since he became a Cub. Not a little bit, a lot. And I just love his arm right now. Fastball command, he's, he's got a live arm with that fastball, and the changeup and curve have been working great off of it. He's been throwing first-pitch strikes. I guess what I'm saying is I like his demeanor and his mindset, all these intangibles about his game, plus he's got the great arm. So I really like where he is right now in his, in his sort of evolution as a pitcher. Jess, when it, from the time he came over here, basically he wanted to be a starter. He let it be known in, in spring training he wanted to be a starter. I don't know if he let it be known before they brought over Tyler Chatwood or not, but uh, you know, right, right now uh, it's almost tough. It's going to be tough whenever you does come back. It's going to be tough to take him out of the starting rotation. Well, that's the big debate. Now, Joe is saying when everyone's healthy, he'll probably go back to his old role. But he said that after start number one and huh. start number two. Hmm. Let's see if, if there's five good ones in a row, if he's actually going to say that, or six good ones. He's probably not going to have six good ones in a row. That's hard to do. So we'll see. They need to address that question when they have to address it. You don't have to address it now. If Chatwood keeps it up, right, 
and Darvish comes back, and Montgomery keeps it up, so to speak. You know, there's no way you can pull them out. You're trying to win a division here. A starting pitching is so important. So I don't believe he's going back if all things are equal, meaning everyone's going as they are right now. Yeah, 95 pitches yesterday, third nice start in a row. Three games, fellas. Uh, 17 and two-thirds innings. He just missed 6-6-6 uh, six, six, six when the first time, five and two-thirds. Three games, he's 2-0. Oh. Uh, innings pitches, call him 18 to round it off easy. 11 hits, two earned runs, two walks, 10 Ks, ERA of 1.02. I know people don't like a lot of numbers, so we're not going to do that. But Darvish has eight starts, not three. 40 innings pitched, not 18. 36 hits compared to 11. 24 earned runs. I hope I got this right. It almost seems like a misprint versus two earned runs. And an ERA of five. It's uh, almost incomprehensible, like you say, uh, Jesse, with Fred there, that you know he wouldn't somehow be in the rotation, be it whoever he ends up replacing. Yeah, you know, yesterday I wrote about Montgomery, did a deep dive on him, and my editors in Bristol wrote a headline that I – was a little provocative, but there's irony in the headline. It was basically Darvish's replacement is pitching better than Darvish. I mean, there's truth and irony in that, right? Usually a star goes down, you're hoping just to fill in with that, that guy that takes over. He's pitching better. He's not, he's not, he's not, you know, just coming close. He's pitching way better. So I thought it's not a provocative headline. It's true. There's some irony in it and it is what it is. So, um, you, you commend Montgomery and you just hope that Darvish comes back. You know what I liked about yesterday's start, Murph mm. and Fred? He took, for the first time, the first two starts were really smooth. The Mets are terrible against lefties. A great setup for Montgomery. Great day. He took a couple jabs. You know, I wasn't at the game, but I watched enough of it. He, you know, he gave up, what, seven hits, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Took a couple jabs. Gave up that early run. He didn't fall apart, even though men were getting on base uh, against him for the first time as a starter this year. I really like how he responded because he wasn't mowing him down like he did in his last start against the Mets. Hey, you know what he did, Jesse? He only walked one guy. So it's, it's huge. Yeah, it's a big huge. improvement from seven. And when I talked to him uh, during the week and I, before I wrote this feature, he kept on stressing that. He, uh, first pitch strike, fastball command right off the bat. Like he, he kept reminding himself of that because it's just it's so easy, it's so obvious. But of course, it's not easy, right? It's 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 much harder to do than, than it's easier to say than than to do. And he just been, keeps it up. I think he, every inning he goes out there, he's telling himself first pitch strike, get ahead. And the numbers when he's ahead as a starter so far off the charts, which it should be. Well, I have him with the three starts, seventeen and two thirds. Call it eighteen innings, total of two walks. So you know, look at what we see with Chet. Chetwood and we're and Darvish, you know, who you never know what you're going to get. But let's not forget uh, Ian Happ with the uh, three uh, nice plays, two of them, you know, you could call spectacular plays, and the final one to end the game. And that bailed out, uh, bailed out Montgomery, let's see, two times, and the third one. And then Strope. And, and Strope, yeah. Because the, and the bullpen, boy, they needed that. Because uh, uh, Morrow had been two games in a row. Seashack uh, had been two games in a row. Dunsing, uh, two games in a row. You never want to use a guy 
not even just two days in a row if you don't have to, but never three if you can if you can help it. But Hap out in left field, he hasn't shown instinct in center field. And again, he he hasn't played there in grade school, high school, college, center field, minor leagues, never, not making an excuse, but he's never been out there. He probably hasn't played much left, but I think he had a lot more left maybe over the years. Point is, what a game by Hap, and he's in center field today, uh, give Al Moore, I guess, a day off, but Hap. Saved the game, but I'm with you. I voted for and Fred uh, Montgomery. Yeah. But, boy, it's hard to discount what the hat man did yesterday, Jesse. No, like I said, great athlete. They really are backing him. You know that. You've heard Joe talk about it. It's not just Joe. It's Theo and Jed and everybody. Jason McLeod, I mean, he's a first-round high-draft pick switch hitter with pop that is fast as heck. Um, you know, one critical thing about the Cubs, Murph, and I think you'd agree with this, is when they have these guys in the minors, it seems like they, 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 they have them in that second or shortstop position, and they don't necessarily have them expand in the minors the way they do with Joe Madden in the majors. Hmm. You know, when Bias came up, it was pretty obvious he wasn't going to play short. Um, Addison Russell was there. They didn't move him over to second until late. Hmm. Um, same thing with Russell. When Starlin Castro was there, they didn't move him over to second until late. I feel like they could have moved Ian Happ around a little bit more in the minors. Give them some reps out there, so just in case you're, you're, you're you have Joe Madden, the guy that moves people around more than anybody. So now a couple of these guys have to learn a new major league, a new position at the major league level. So the only problem is Happ actually looked decent last year in center, yeah. and I feel like he regressed a little bit early this year. I actually think he's been better in the last couple of weeks, even in center. But anyway, he should be better. He's a good athlete. And maybe he's making some strides after yesterday. Hey, Jess, after that Philadelphia series, did, did Joe Madden pull you aside as you were going over, you know, the sales for trying not to suck and ask you about moving Bryant to the leadoff spot? Or was it uh, news to you? No, it was news to me. Now, I had <laughs> talked to him about three weeks ago. I pulled him aside went during the whole too many lineups thing. Yeah. And nobody was taking the leadoff spot by storm. Unsophisticated. You're unsophisticated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said to him, forgetting different lineups what do you think about you know uh, brian as a table setter and he said he hadn't thought about it much Mm. but it wouldn't he wouldn't rule it out and i've definitely talked to chris about it over the years and he he brought up what he said yesterday after the game that he had done it in college mainly because he wasn't getting pitched to anywhere else in the order but he figured at number one you get pitched to a little bit so he didn't mind it he had at least some recall of doing it um so it didn't completely shocked me but three weeks ago joe wasn't really thinking about it let's hold that thought on uh, chris bryant fred good point jesse good news for you sales staff is not here i can't bill you 30 seconds therefore you get the freebie where can we buy the great book and where are you at today my friend well thank you murph well actually right now today as we speak i'm at continental toyota come on out for some great deals and then i'm headed to uh Lit Fest, Printer's Row Lit Fest. Cool. I'm sure you've been down sure. there. Yeah, it's a book, book, annual book festival. Um, and I'm going to be part of a Chicago Tribune uh, authors panel on baseball. Why they're having me, I don't know. But uh, from 12 to 1 um, at Lit Fest, I'm Printer's Row with three other authors. We're going to be talking baseball and, and, and selling my book down there, Try Not to Suck, which you can buy at Amazon or at the local bookstore at LitFest today, or email me, jrogersbook at gmail.com for a signed copy. One week to go before Father's Day. Or just honk, honk the horn at Jesse's garage in Northbrook, <laughs> and he'll sell you a couple right there at the car. Uh, let's go back to Bryant, as Fred brought up. They move him to the leadoff slot, and it makes sense. Now, 
You know, I've always wanted, you know, Brian three, Rizzo four, men on base for the sluggers. He's not a slugger right now. Here's what's interesting, Jesse. His slugging percentage, Bryant, has regressed, not dramatically, but, you know, it's regressed significantly, though, each of the last three years. 554 slugging two years ago, 537 last year, 514 now. He's sitting on eight home runs, which pro- projects out to about 24, give or take. However, however, his on-base and his batting average have basically gone up each of the last three years. So right now, for whatever reason, he's not slugging. So Joe made the right move. Let's get him on base because he's not driving. He's not hitting three-run homers, two-run homers. So everything there makes sense. Where's the power gone? Or is that just one of those, you know, uh, random walk, 22 games without a home run quirks? No, I, 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 I've studied this a lot. I, I did an interview with him a while ago. I wrote about him. I don't. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that there's a guy trying to, you know, figure out the exact right offensive game for him. Meaning he had that launch angle thing going with John Maley. He he tried to get more of maybe a line drive swing. But the bigger thing than all that is cutting down on strikeouts. So as he's cut down on strikeouts, the he's he zapped some of his power. And he even said this. I thought it was the most interesting thing he said to me about hitting. That it not always is a great to make contact rather than swing and miss if the contact is weak. It's almost like he'd rather swing through a pitch he could make contact with and wait for a pitch he can drive. And he, So there's a thing going on inside his head. If, if, I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but he, he's going through a little evolution here. He wanted to uh, get more of that line drive swing back, which he had in college a little bit more than he did in the majors under Maley. But in doing that and making more contact, it has zapped some of his power. Now, I think it'll come back. I do. He'll figure it out. I don't think he should ever try to hit home runs. But what's the big deal if he hits 24 and hits 300 and has on base of 400? We're talking about the difference between being really great or really, really great, right? I mean, whichever way he wants to work it, I'm okay with because either way is going to be successful. But if he really finds that right groove with the swing path and everything, Mm -hmm. he'll be a home run hitter and a 300 hitter with low strikeouts. And that is, again, Hall of Fame stuff if he isn't already on that path. Slide a few phone calls in for world-famous author Jesse Rogers. He always tries <laughs> not to suck when he's on with Murph and Fred. Let's go to uh, Mike in Chicago Heights. Hey, is that you, Mike? No, it isn't, he says. All right. On Amazon Mike. and by the book, Jesse. Um, I have a question. You know what? The uh, relief pitching uh, wouldn't have to do... So much work if they if the hitters quit swinging at pitches two feet outside bouncing in the dirt. I mean, Baez has had a great year. Rizzo's kicking butt. Everybody's doing their job. But why do I, I turn? You know, I take my mom. You know, she's eighty eight years old. I take her to one Cub game a year on her birthday or close to it. But she even saw. It. She goes, I go watch this. Strike three. Strike three. Strike three. <laughs> I am sick and tired of them swinging at pitches two feet in the dirt. And, and right. by the way, Chatwalk, I mean, Chatwood uh, <laughs> is bad. Okay. Hey, Mike, good call. Say hi to my appreciate it. Jesse? Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, hitting isn't easy, okay? And these relievers can spin the ball and throw 98 all at the same time here. So you got to give them a little bit of a break. The Cubs strikeouts are down. You also have to compare things to the rest of the league. 
they are way down. Last time I looked, they were like 12th or 13th. Now, maybe they moved up. That was like a few days ago. But mm-hmm. whatever, they're in the lower third when they used to be in the upper third. So let's give them a little break. They also have one player in particular that makes everybody look worse, and that is Bias. And I'm not even being critical of him because it's amazing he's hitting like 270 with what he swings at. So Bias is a little separate. You can't tell me Rizzo and Bryant are, are, are expanding their zone that much. Everyone's going to swing at a bad pitch every so often. Obviously, Ian Happ's another guy that does. Here's the other thing, Murph, that we don't talk about enough. Even the first-round picks, they're spending less time in the minors. And if you're a triple-A or double-A for a little bit length of time, you might see more spin and more mm-hmm. velocity and all that stuff and get used to it. A lot of these guys are learning how to what to swing and what not to at the major league level. So that's kind of my view. But I'd also say look at them compared to the rest of the league. They're not that bad. You know, uh, Jess, I'm looking right now. They're 22nd in the league in strikeouts. In, in all majors, right? Yeah, 22nd yeah. in the league in, in strikeouts. In the most or the fewest. So they're near the bottom of near strikeouts. The bottom, right? Yes, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Near the bottom, Lower 22nd. Third. I mean, I would take that for this team, considering what we all think of them mm-hmm. or what they've been, which is a home run, walk, strikeout type of team. They have rounded out their game a little bit. Strikeouts have come down. Oppo hits have gone up. Home runs are still there. Um, you know, not, maybe home runs aren't at the top of the league, but you have to admit there has been a good little transformation going on. It's not quite complete yet. A couple more of your fans are holding, but here real quick. Uh, Jesse, you've been playing the ponies. You're a guy that knows odds. You uh, Darvish, his next start, home or on the road. Now, you would think it'd be just two to one, flip the coin, heads or tails. I mean, you would think when he's ready, he's ready, plug him in. So it should be the odds are two to one. Let's say it this way. You Darvish's next start will be at home. The odds should be two to one, right? Well, they should be, I don't know, shouldn't they be even odds? Well. Or no? Right, even odds. Yeah, even odds, whatever it is. One out of two, uh, they sh- right. They should be, and I'd like to believe they are even odds. I do not want to believe in the first few months of this deal, mm-hmm. they've got to protect him from the, their own uh, their own fans. I don't want to believe that, Murph. I don't. I know. But it's possible. I don't disagree. It's possible that they want to hide him on the road. I think the odds are about 10 to 1 that his next start is at home. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Let's go to yeah, I know. Henry I down know. in Daytona Beach. Still looking for my car keys I lost there back in college. Hello, Henry. Hey, how you guys doing today? Good. Good jump Henry, in with up? Jesse Rogers. Go. Jesse, I was wondering, I know you think the Cubs need more pitching. I was wondering if uh, Drew Smiley, when he comes back from injury, if he could uh, be able to not only contribute but be a good contributor, or is he going to be like Corey Crawford, get hurt, get depressed, and not want to play the rest of the season? Good call. Thanks, Henry. And uh, just to update everybody, Drew Smiley, a veteran left-handed starting pitcher in the American League, signed, I think it was a nice move by Theo in the offseason, fellas, right? $10 million for this year and next year. He's coming off of a TJ surgery, Tommy John. $3 million this year, $7 million next year. Doesn't matter how you cut it up. $10 million over two. He gets a big uh, possible bonus of seven more mildo if he hits certain numbers next year. He had his first or second BP throw the other day, Jesse. He's going to have one more BP. Then he's going to have three or four sim games, I understand. Then some rehab starts in the you know low minors or down in Arizona. Uh, they, I know they're counting on him for next year, but that would really be something if he came out of nowhere like this August or August 15th, right? Absolutely. I think it'd be icing on the cake, gravy, whatever you want to call it. I don't I don't think they're counting on him, mm-hmm. but are hopeful that he can contribute in some way. I don't know if that's a starter 
or in the bullpen this year, then you move it forward next year and you, you see what, exactly what you got. You can never have enough starters. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I never liked paying a guy to rehab, but then I, I remember the Ryan Dempster deal, and that sure. worked out pretty good. They paid him to rehab, and he came in and, and what, he was a Cub for a long time and contributed. So, yes, anything you get out of him this year would be gravy. I, again, I don't think they're counting on it. But if it happens, it's it's a nice little bonus for the second half. I'm glad you got it right because I don't want gravy on my cake. <laughs> <laughs> icing, gravy, whatever it is. I like to put icing on my potatoes and meat. Uh, I want to apologize. I'm looking at the screen color board here, fellas. Uh, uh, Lansing, uh, uh, Chris. I'm sorry. He wanted to talk about uh, the Drew Smiley into the rotation. Sorry, Chris. Uh, we'll get you next time. Final caller here, Don in uh, Burr Ridge. Hey, Don. Hey, guys. Love the show. Thanks, Don. Always love talking. Always love talking baseball in the Cubs. Hey, with um, with Montgomery pitching his last three uh, starts, pitching extremely well, and Chatwood has been poor at best. Um, what do you think the um, the, the Cubs are going to do when Darvish comes off? Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure that they're going to probably put Montgomery back in the bullpen, but I don't think that's a, the right move. Second of all, the guy who was complaining about the Cubs swinging into the uh, out of out-of-the-zone strikes. I think the Cubs are second or even first in on-base percentage in baseball. they got a pretty good offense. They're first. First in all of baseball and on-base. Thanks. Good stuff. Thanks, Don. They're doing well there. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Up against the clock. Thanks thanks for the call, Don. Appreciate it. I I always like extreme examples. Take the extreme. Montgomery has three Mm -hmm. more good starts. Chatwood has three more mediocre ones. I think he would go. This is my opinion. Chatwood would go to the bullpen, and Montgomery would stay in. Now, again, it has to be clear that Chatwood needs to go to the bullpen. Now, they're not forcing it, but if, if it's clear he needs to, then that, I think that's what they would do. And then you, you, work, you let him work out of the bullpen out of long relief, and hopefully he finds himself. He doesn't have the pressure of pitching every five days. Never do it. Throwing. Yeah, I you agree. think I'll send a $38 million guy to well, the bullpen? No, I agree with Why Jesse, not? but he, I agree no, no. Too. you're both right. Here's what they're going to do. They're going to extend the DL. Well, that might be true for two, three yeah. months. I mean, they can't bring him back if the if uh, Chatwood and Montgomery are red hot, and they're not going to have him sit out in the bullpen, even though that's what you might do with normal people. Well, you know. but I'm talking if Chatwood's still having problems, oh. you might have an injury with him. Whatever the case right. may be, but you cannot say that Chatwood is going to be a starter mm-hmm. if he continues the way he is and Montgomery continues the way that is. You're trying to win a pennant here. And after six, seven, eight yeah. starts of good Montgomery and bad Chatwood, that's enough of a sample size to make a change. They're not going to say it now, but I don't believe they would just leave Chatwood in there walking seven guys and hurting your bullpen. Well, at that point, Montgomery should demand a trade if he's thrown seven, eight good starts in a row. But again, it's probably it probably won't be that clear. There'll probably be a gray area, and they say, okay, well, maybe Montgomery goes back for now, and then in the second half we add him. My point is this. Montgomery's going to be in that rotation if he's out for a start or two, that's one thing. But if he continues like this, he's huh. got to remain or, or, or get back in pretty quickly. His ERA in his last three starts is 1.02. He ain't going to be riding the pines long. You're right. If it, no. No. Hey, Jesse, I know you're busy on a busman's holiday. It's uh, Jesse Rogers for you.
uh, not Darvish, for all our great fans out there, maybe for you also. Uh, Jesse's out there at uh, Continental uh, Motors, or as Jesse says, Continental Continental Motors. <laughs> and then he'll be down at the uh, at uh, Printer's Row today, right? What time again? 12 to 1 for a baseball panel, and then I'll be over at the Triumph Books tent signing some books. Uh, try not to suck, Murph. Well, you didn't today, but I'm going to keep trying not to. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, go, Jess. Go, go to work hey, you now. Got- you guys are the All best. Right. Thanks, Have a great buddy. Day. Murph and Fred. Hey, White Sox talk in a minute. Let's go down to Birmingham, Alabama. Fred, I want an eyewitness. You know, all these great guys. You know, Jim Callis, he does a great job. But Keith Law, you know, they got the numbers. But yeah. how about someone who has seen Eloy Jimenez every day with his own eyes, play-by-play broadcaster from the AA White Sox will uh, join us next. Murph and Fred back in a flash. ESPN 1000. Hey, 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 hey. Holy mackerel. Hey. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Busy day. Glad you're with us. Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. One minute away from going down to Birmingham, Alabama. Eyewitness report on the... Red Hot Double A White Sox, uh, the Birmingham Barons, five All Stars down there for them. But eyewitness report: I want someone that has seen that has seen Eloy every game. Let's get the results quick. Eo eleven, the uh, ten o'clock Twitter uh, poll, which will be known as the worst exchange of all time. Here, the three: the Cubs exchanged Arietta for Darvish. B. The Cubs exchanged Lou Brock for Ernie Brolio. C. The Cubs exchanged Eli Jimenez for Jose Quintana. What say the fans, Eric? Right at the bottom with 29% is Brock for Broglio. 32% is Eloy for Quintana. And 39% Arietta and Darvish. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Our 1030 Twitter poll. Fred, can't wait to hear your vote on this uh, later this half hour. Eloy Jimenez will be as big as, multiple choice, A, B, C, or D. Eloy will be as big as A, Frank Thomas, B, Jose Abreu, C, Maglio Ordonez, D, Avi Garcia. Let's go now. Let's go down to Birmingham, Alabama. He said he'd give us a call. He's now on ESPN. PN 1000 in Chicago. Mike Murphy here along with Fred Hubner. Hey, Kurt Bloom, how you doing, buddy? Good morning, guys. I've got to start with a question. Do you really go to Wrigley Field to get a quarter pounder? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what, that was the jingle or the, the, the lead-in that I got. You know, go to Wrigley Field and mm-hmm. get a quarter pounder. I can go to, across the street from this beautiful Hampton Inn and get a quarter pounder. I'm just saying. Well, not at the new they, one. Not well, at the new McDonald's you can. See, we live. Oh, the new one. Yeah. The yeah. new one. Oh, okay. yeah. Right, and, uh, we, we love all our fine sponsors, of course, including McDonald's. Yeah, yes. But there, just for the right. uh, quick thumbnail history, there has been a McDonald's right across the street on uh, our Clark Street here for 30, 40 years. Uh, a big new hotel was built uh, by the Ricketts and the Wrigleys, a uh, Zachary Hotel, and the uh, McDonald's uh, has resurfaced where it was uh. in the old days. But not just standalone drive-through. Now in part of a, a beautiful new hotel complex. But a very valid question, Kurt Bloom, play-by-play, Birmingham Baron. I'm going to throw it over to our White Sox fan, Fred Hubner, Kurt. But Fred, I know you want to hear about Eloy. Yeah, I was going to well right off the bat. I mean, I know he's missed a couple of games because of he got he got hit by a pitch. How's he doing? And how is he doing before that? 
Yeah, you know, when you just mentioned his name uh, on social media, guys, it's just like it spreads like wildfire. Uh, I went a day and a half without mentioning anything, and I just I didn't want to set off the uh, the alarm. Uh, he got hit by a pitch a couple of days ago, as you mentioned, and taken out of the lineup a day and a half ago, uh, and then last night got a pinch hit appearance, which he walked, so he really didn't need to swing at that. Uh, but uh, our manager Ryan Newman expects him to be in the lineup tonight. So just a just a minor off day, and I, I took a look at it. It was only his second DNP. Uh, since joining us in uh, late April. So it was a good time for rest. We had a bus trip as well up to uh, Knoxville, which takes about uh, five hours, four and a half hours. So perfect day for the rest. And then last night we needed him uh, to pinch hit, and he got up there, uh, as I said, drew a walk. Because of what he's been doing, I got here 55 hits, 13 doubles, 39 RBIs. Is he 324 average? Have, have, have people started pitching around him? Do they do that in double A, pitch around you? Or do the, do the pitchers always try to get, go after these guys? That's no, a good, good question. And, and the answer is they, they have started recently going around him. It depends on the situation. First at bat, second at bat. Uh, they're going to go right at him and test him, uh, depending on who's on base. If Zach Collins is on base or. Chevy Zavala batting behind him certainly helps him get some good pitches. But later on in the games, you absolutely notice, probably around the seventh inning or so, that uh, the pitch sequence, I remember calling it uh, about two or three at-bats ago, uh, nothing but uh, sliders and curveballs and change-ups that were way off the plate in a fairly critical situation. So it was, a, it was obviously a flag that said, hey, they don't want to pitch to him. Let, let me just ask you to paint a picture for the fans. Like me, I frankly have to admit, I haven't even pulled up video on uh, Eloy. Let's just set the table. He was uh, uh, signed at age 17 out of the Dominican Republic. That was a Cubs signing. He's now 21 years old. International signing, as they call it, not a draft. Six foot four, 205. Mostly a right fielder, bats right, throws right. He's three years younger than the average age of the Southern League, which is always an interesting uh, a stat, I thought. But paint us a picture. Run, field, hit throw with power, uh, some of his tools. Number one, running and uh, fielding and throwing before we get to hitting. Give us an eyewitness sure. there, Kurt. Yeah, that's a good way to start. And and most recently, Eloy has moved over to left field, and that seems to be a real comfortable position for him. Um, he's good in left field. Uh, I don't think I would say, nor would anybody say great. And remember, at, at 21 years old, there's still a lot of fly balls uh, during BP and a lot of work that Aaron Rowan can do with him to make him even better. Uh, I would, like I said, I, I would term it good, not great at this moment. Now, the one, one category that's missing right now, you hear that phrase, five-tool star, over and over and over and over. He's got all five tools. Well, he's got four. Um, the one thing he has not done is run. Uh, that doesn't mean he can't. And I was noticing uh, again the other day, he goes from first to third, fine, but he has not attempted a stolen base. So you're not looking at a guy that's in the lineup batting third now uh, who's going to be running and stealing and getting 10, 15 bags. That's not his game. Uh, and, and we've got a lineup, uh, even in double A, that uh, allows us to go station to station. We don't bunt. We don't need to bunt. He's got uh, an all star behind him, an all star in front of him. Uh, the rest of his game is is just m- m- majestical. Uh, I wow. have, I've been around a lot. Um, I saw uh, uh, Bryant just a couple uh, years ago in this league, 
and uh, a long time ago, Miguel Cabrera. And, and that would be, and those are two, you know, pretty heavy names. Let's not, let's not kid yourself. Sure. Those guys, one of them, in terms of Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera is going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and then with, uh, with Bryant, he's already an MVP. Um, Eloy's offensive skills right now, let's just use and let's be careful, but they rival those of those two guys when they were in the Southern League. And what I say by that, uh, all three of them are able to hit the ball with power opposite way. All right, And I always talk about Eloy's first at bat as a Baron, which was last year. And on the third pitch he ever saw at this level, he hit a laser opposite way to right field into the bleachers for a home run. That was the third pitch he's seen. And it was one of those moments our guys are still talking about it a year later. So for him to go to right field, right center field, uh, that makes him special. You want to come inside, then you're going to take a, a risk. He hit a ball, a, a line drive home run into our uh, home run porch a couple of days ago as wow. well. Offensively, complete. I just can't say enough about uh, his offensive tools and how complete he is. This is not just a pull monster and work him in and, you know, uh, and then he hits the ball down the left field line. When he's really, really untouchable is when he's hitting these low-line drives, smoked out to right center field and out to center field. And he's done that a lot. And, and it, it, we could sit here for days and hours and months about the, the numbers and the stats and all that. I, want just, I, want just, I just want to give you one that was really sure. historical and one that really showed what a man he is. He had a streak about a week and a half, two weeks ago. He had nine consecutive multi-hit games. I just think about that. Not not just getting a hit and a hitting streak, but nine where it was two or more in a row, which tied a Southern League record. But during that stretch, guys, everything he hit was a rocket off his bat. There's no there's no bloops, there was no broken bats. It was just all just man against machine and and, and he dominated. Wow. And you gotta pinch yourself and go, wait a minute, <laughs> this cat's only tw- he's twenty one years old and uh, he's still learning our culture. Yeah. Now, he's been here. He's been here since 2013. That's when the, the Cubs signed him. But still, it's, it's, a, it's a huge task to ask uh, at that time, a 17, 18, 19-year-old guy. Then, as you mentioned, come to the Southern League at 21, and with the travel that we have, the heat that we have, order your own meals and, you know, Americanize yourself. Sure. And he's done it all. Visiting he's done with, it all. It's, excuse it's me. been a pleasure. Wow. Great yeah. stuff. Visiting with Kurt Bloom. A couple more minutes. Quick play-by-play guy. Birmingham Barons, White Sox, double-A. Great report there on Eli. We're going to go rapid fire now. Kurt, Fred sure. Hubner, we got two, three minutes on our uh, clock here. You know that, how that goes. Fred? Well, I just want to know, how, there's five guys named to the All-Star team. How does a team get two catchers on one All-Star team? Well, because they, <laughs> they alternate. Okay. Uh, and wow. Zach and, and Sebi, they each play 2-2-2-2, two, 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 and they alternate, and their offensive numbers uh, absolutely dictate they have to, have to be in the game, no doubt. Because I'm looking here. I know Colin started the season off slowly, but ever after that, right. he's actually fire, found some patience at the plate, start. too. And patience at the plate, yep. which is great. Leads the minor leagues in walks. All of the minor leagues, not just the, not just double-A. Yep. Correct. Not just Southern League. He leads the entire minor leagues and walks. No one in the minor leagues has walked as many times as Zach Collins. Wow. Now, when you look at these two guys, uh, Collins was obviously the high draft pick, but right. uh, Zavala seems like he's the better, quote, defensive catcher. Would that be correct? 
I, I think so. I think at this point, and, and um, uh, Seve really is engaged, which would be the word that I use when you're talking about a catcher. Um, and he's already a little bit more polished at that position. That would be a better and safer way of putting it. But I will tell you this. I, I know you're against the clock, but i got to mention, the last few times around the rotation, uh, our pitchers have come up and done a post game with me, and they all have talked. Every one of them has talked about the improvement that Zach has made behind home plate. That, that includes calling games and throwing guys out, but handling the staff. I think that was Seve's strength from the beginning, and Zach's doing a good job progressing and learning how to handle the staff. And, and quickly, when you think about all-star teams, you think about starting pitching, but I see that this guy, Ian Hamilton, he's a reliever, but they, he was good enough in the, out of the bullpen to go to the, go to the all-star game. Wow. Uh, Ian Hamilton has, has not blown a save. He's 10 for 10. ERA in the ones, 97-98 uh, on the gun with a 91-mile-an-hour slider. Might be, guys, I call him the sleeper of the system. Wow. And, and if you're sleeping, you better set your alarm clock. <laughs> that, that guy's got a real, real good chance of pitching in the big leagues before this year is done. Kurt Bloom, great job. Hey, number one, thanks for your personal time here. He has been in Chicago. And number two, the four-and-a-half-hour uh, bus ride. Uh, what's your longest one that you guys have in the course of the year? Jacksonville. From Birmingham to Jacksonville, that's <laughs> Nine and a half with a with an hour flip going the uh, the wrong way. <laughs> Ouch! Lots of time to listen to ESPN Chicago. Uh, that, there you go. Key. God there love you. Go. you. Hey Kirk, don't be a stranger. I'll catch up with you again Thanks, later man. in the season. Appreciate it. My Bye. absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you, Bye. my friend. Thanks, Kirk. I'll okay. go to McDonald's right after this. No, that, that's a, that, now you know. Now you got it, Kirk Blue. Thanks, Kirk. That's a great job, Murphy. You friend. got it, guys. All right, thanks a lot. A couple minutes away from uh, Ned Coletti. Uh, when we return, uh, let's uh, find out what you've been voting at the ESPN uh, 1000. to left, and it is caught! He did it again! What a game for Ian Happ, the hat trick in left. Cubs win! Cubs win! 3-1 the final! Come on, get happy! Oh, everybody's happy for Happ! Highlights there, good old Channel 9 WGN TV. Good call. They were tied for first for a little while. They and then were. those Brewers went out and got an 11 2 big win last night for Milwaukee. Uh, Brewers. Half gas is 12 4 <laughs> was the final against Philadelphia. Philadelphia has been struggling. Yeah. They dropped three games back of uh, Washington and Atlanta in the East. Um, yeah, Arizona's on top in the uh, West. And uh, that damn Yankee and uh, Red Sox. You know what? The Yankees and Red Sox. It's got to be the managers. Aaron Boone and uh, Alex Cora. Just without those guys, they wouldn't be there. Cubs stars of the game, as we've covered uh, since 9 a.m. Well, you guys see Mike Montgomery. What a job. Third. It was great. Good, good start in a row. And you know what? I've, I've been begging, begging for Montgomery to get starts all season long. I you know. wanted to start. Well, you wanted to throw him out there. Doing it. You 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 know what? You, you, anytime a guy wants to do something, he's going to throw better than if he doesn't want to. Second star of the game. Oh, my God. Ian Happ with each catch better than the one before. Three nice catches. Two bordering on circus. Excellent uh, catches. Well, and I do have to tell you. the one Chris that Bryant. Happ, Happ needed to do something because at the plate he was not good. 
No, he had two. No, he had two bingos oh, yeah, he hit, yeah. right on the schnoz. But yeah, uh, struck out one. Oh, for three with a strikeout. And uh, hey, Joe Madden, he moved uh, Bryant up to leadoff. He has not been hitting for power. And you know what? Maybe it was time. Uh, let's go to the phones. Is that you, Steve, in Oak Lawn? It is. Good morning, fellas. Good, hey, Steve, Steve. Here's a little inside radio, though. I'm, I'm already getting yelled at that I was supposed to take a break, we're, and we got Ned Clady coming, but I said, no, I'm sliding Steve on, but you got to give me a quickie, Steve. Go. Real real quick, fellas. The Quintana um, Jimenez thing in regards to the poll question. I, I mean, I think, you, you know, sometimes we get too quick ahead with these things. Quintana's been solid for the Cubs. He has not been great. Um, he's still cost-controlled at a low cost. He's a starting pitcher on a team that is playoff bound that he actually helped go to the playoffs last year. Jimenez, you look at Schwarber, Soler, all the all the prospects the Cubs had had just as good numbers when they were twenty one, twenty two. There's no guarantee he's going to be a major league star. He looks great, but he's in Double A. So I think sometimes we jump too far ahead on who wins and loses the trade. It could work for both teams. Yes, absolutely. Hey, thanks for holding, Steve. Call again when we have no more problem. time. Let's bring in. Uh... My bad, as uh, Joe hates. Let's bring in uh, EO11. What were the results? Fred, did you want to vote on this first? Uh, the question posed. Eloy Jimenez uh, will be as big as A, Frank Thomas. B, Jose Abreu. I'm going Abreu. C, Maglio Adonis. Or D, Avi. It's not bad company, Javi. No. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, Jose Abreu, is No, it? it's, it's great company. Yeah, I'm going with Abreu. What did fans say, Eric? At the bottom was 14% with Avi. 19% says Jose Abreu. 29% says Frank Thomas. And 38% says Maglio. Oh, those are the Cub fans voting. Yeah, Maglio was not, I mean, Maglio was really good oh, yeah. for a while there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, I, I think right now, especially after hearing our report there from AA White Sox, uh, uh, you know, Jose Abreu certainly looks like that's the path that you might want to uh, pencil in and anticipate. Time will tell. Hey, we got to step away. Murph and Fred till noon. Hey, we're supposed to get a call here in a few minutes from Ned Coletti, longtime baseball executive, Chicago guy, spraying all fields with Ned. Back in a flash, ES. PN 1000. Longtime Dodgers in a big chair. That'd be a great name for a book. The longtime Dodgers general manager in the big chair. Now, Fred, you know, there's pre and post games on TV out in L.A., Sort of like, uh, you know, our David DeJesus uh -huh. and, and Bill Melton sits there with our old Chicago buddy, Jerry Hairston, two Chicago guys. But of all that, did you know that uh, Ned's greatest baseball moments were as a young punk kid looking over the bleacher bums back when he was taking the train and the buses in from Franklin Park watching the bleacher bums. But he's had a great career and he's not done, but let's bring him in. Murph and Fred. Well, good morning here. How you doing, Ned? Murph and Fred, what a good group that is. Good to hear you guys. You know, Fred, the first day I ever worked for the Cubs was January 3rd, 1982. I, this is no kidding. I sat down in a little chair back then. Okay. The phone huh. rang, and it was this fan on the other end of the line trying to get some information about the a Cub uh, no-hitter and who the left field, no, who the catcher was. And this guy and I went back and forth and back and forth. This is 1982, January 3rd. You're sitting next to that guy. Jeez, unbelievable. <laughs> was, how, did he, how did he get through to you? They, no. they just put it, they go, here, let, 
Murph was probably bugging everybody else. They hired you just so you could take Murph's calls. Well, that's a new guy. <laughs> Ship him to the new guy. Whatever that new guy's name yeah. is. Now, true Good story. Event. True yeah. story. Uh, no rush. Yeah. Right. Long story, but I've gotten in an argument with, with Moose Morin, who caught the whole, caught the, come on, Moosey. Remember Brick Carlson? So about 30 years later, I'm sitting at a fundraiser, and there's a Moose Morin at the table. The old white cloud or white feather, remember? The, yeah. Uh, yeah. used to have. Right. Yes. And, uh, you know, only Big Mouth Murph. So Moose is, so t- tell us the story again, Moose, about coming in for that line. Uh, hump back off a joke, Cunningham, and you make the cut. Y'all never forget it. His chest is burnt. Moose ended up being invited to, to my wedding. He turned out to be a dear friend. And he's telling the story. He says, yeah, so our catcher behind the plate, uh, uh, Cal Neiman, gives the signal. And me, like, I go, oh, by the way, Moose, excuse me, it was Del Rice. <laughs> and, and he looks at me, and he still he looked like a, one of the wrestlers from the fifties with the sure. long blonde hair, you know. And he looks at me, he goes, "Who?" And I already knew I was in trouble. I said, "Oh no, never mind, Moose. <laughs> Go on with your story." He goes, "What did you say?" I said, well, uh, uh, you, you said the, uh, the catcher was Cal Neiman. It, it was Del Rice. But go, go ahead, Moose. Go ahead now. So what? He goes, he stands up and glares at me. And goes, I never played with blank and Del Rice in my blank and life. And oh, my God. So the next morning, I called. You called Ned trying well, to find out. Oh, yeah. I called uh, Buckingham 150050, the old rotary dial. And I, That's right. Wrigley Field, may I help you? I said, yeah, you know, I got a question about the uh, Cubs history, the, uh, the, the no-hitter. Is there anyone I could talk to? One moment, please. She probably still had this switchboard ready to pull the thing up and then plug it in, you know, yep. patch me through. And the phone rings, uh, uh, PR, and the poor guy that answered the phone was our guest, Ned Coletti. So that's why we're here. Uh, that's why we're here. That's yeah. how this is all happening. Well, the great thing about Ned, he can do a little historical look back, and he's still doing all that right now, uh, not just the uh, pre and post, teaching the, uh, a court baseball over at Pepperdine University. Oh, I like a gig like that one. But I want to play a soundbite here for you, sure. Ned. This is Fred Hubner earlier in the week. Fred uh, was on one of the shows, uh, as he does when someone's got a day off. I was filling in for Carmen. I think Carmen and Yurko show. All right. Fred, you probably don't even remember this because I haven't set this up with you. Fred was talking about uh, uh, Chris Bryant and some other players. And well, let's hear. Let's listen to Fred. We hear so many things about sluggers and athletes. He's a baseball player. That's uh, He's a baseball player that's really, really good at hitting he's the ball. A, he's amazing. All right. Stop the tape. Ned, the phrase, he's a baseball player. Uh, you're yes. a guy that scouts. You made the big trades. You've been uh, evaluating the game from the big chair. Uh, your terrific book. It's uh, one of the. It's, I know Ned, but I wouldn't say it's a fun, wonderful read. The big chair still available all those weeks on a, a New York bestseller. I know you would never say that, so I'll say it for you. But the phrase "he's a baseball player." Now we just had the draft, uh, you know, and we zeroed in on the Cubs and the Sox and trades. What does that phrase mean, he's a baseball player, and can you statistically analyze if a guy's a baseball player? Or how, how do you meld all this together these days with the numbers and the scouts' boots on the ground? Well, that's a great phrase, Fred said. And when we were growing up, everybody who played, in my mind, was a baseball player. But as the game grew and as other sports became more and more popular and took away baseball players, because they may have also been football players, basketball players, soccer players, hockey players. 
The game of baseball looked everywhere for talent, has looked everywhere, which is really what it's supposed to do. And it ended up with a lot of players who are more athletic than baseball players. This is just my interpretation. And what you have then is you have players that now don't necessarily play the game the the way that it was played in the past where they grinded it out every day. We all know those types of players. That's probably the type of player Fred was uh, referring to in the tape. Somebody that's, that's down and dirty, somebody that's in it every day, somebody that grinds it out every day and knows how, knows how to play the game at every, every aspect of the game. How do you quantify that? It's probably statistics that could tell you some of that, but it's really, for me, it's really watching it and coming up with, with that type of thing. Somebody's uniform is dirty, somebody that, that goes the extra mile, takes the extra base, gets a secondary lead, hits the ball to right field to get the runner around, all those different factors and probably 30 or 40 more. You may be surprised to know who I was talking about. Uh, I was talking about Chris Bryant because despite the fact that he's been an MVP and he hits home runs, he's probably the best base runner on the team. Uh, he yep. does he does what Joe keeps asking everybody else on the team to do, move the baseball, just put the ball in play. He's doing that. He's found that his uh, his power stroke has, go, has left him for a while. So what's Joe do? He leads him off and he goes three for four yesterday. He's yep. just a guy that does whatever it needs to, to win the game. And that's the one thing that you're right. You don't see that nearly enough. You don't see baseball players. You see, you know, I, I get so t- I, I don't even want to see Joey Gallo bat. It's just yep. like watching a guy take batting practice because all he is yep. is swing for swing for the heels. He's going to hit home runs. It's going to happen. Yep. But you know, I like a guy like Chris Bryant. Now he's hitting three hundred one. He's got a on base of four hundred. He's got a you know sluggy to five. I mean, that's a baseball player to me. I'm not surprised you said the name you said because I have great respect for him. Uh, seen him in college out here, and I also obviously have seen him in the big leagues there. He is um, he is what you just said. He is a baseball player with a lot of skill. A lot of skill. Uh, vote right now at ESPN 1000. Baseball, we do this every half hour, Mr. Coletti. This one, what? how random was this? Oh, that's right. I planned this you, last yeah, night yeah, when Ned said he'd call it now. Baseball statistical analysis, vote now at ESPN 1000, A, B, C, or D. It'll just keep growing and getting bigger, B. It's peaked. What more can there be? C, I love as many stats as I can get. D, I'm burned out, Murph. I can't take it anymore. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Let me rephrase this, Ned. I remember 15, 20 years ago, I probably gave you one of my goofy theories, which I give you every day, and and you usually don't hang up, which is nice of you. But I said, Ned, what will happen when all 30 teams have big statistical analysis departments and all because in the beginning, you know, there were some teams that did it. Some didn't have the finances to, you know, hire many. Some, you know, like when our good buddy young John Dewan knocked on the door once, you know, at Clark and Addison when he was still working from the basement, uh, you know, and he knocked on the get out of here with those stats. We don't need that. But everyone now, you know, has a staff of what, 15, 20 people. And I said, Ned, what will happen in many years? And that's now. What will happen in many years when all 30 teams have big statistical uh, analytical departments? Will there be an edge anymore? Or is that why they're always looking for new edges and we're starting to get numbers that sometimes seem like, <laughs> what do we need this for? How do you see it over time and now? Well, I think you're, you've 
you know, our, our questions 15 years ago are, are alive today. And I think that every team has got a very strong analytics department. Some are stronger than others. Some are deeper than others. I think every team uses it. I think it's, um, it's very interesting. Uh, I could never pick a player off of a, a spreadsheet or a analytical review versus who he is. Um, I would use it as information. I would use it to, to get me perhaps interested, almost like a resume in the business world. But I'm going to need to know who's inside of it. I think it's um, – I don't mind all the information because I think the information you could take or leave it, and those who are working on it, uh, you know, they, they run that risk that somebody's not going to really take a look at what the hours they're spending. Where I find it to be um, – where, where I've pretty much had enough – where I find where it affects how players uh, play the game and the strategies of the game. I think the first two months of the season, we had more strikeouts than hits. Hmm. And if you go back to 1876 or whenever you want to say the game was first played, that had never happened before. And now we have it back-to-back months. Jason Stark, the great writer, great baseball historian as well, wrote the other day that um, at the current pace, if you go back nine years to 2009, there'll be 10,000, think of this one, 10,000 fewer balls put into play than 2009. Wow. 10,000. That's strikeouts, strikeouts, and more strikeouts, and and people that, that just, you know, launch angle, big deal, exit velocity, big deal. And it used to be the home run was a big deal, but now it, it gets it gets cut into other pieces. And people, you see philosophies in player development and team systems where it's all about loft. It's all about launch angle. It's all about getting under the ball, creating backspin, and being able to hit it out. Not everybody can do that. Pete Rose, like him or not, after the after he got done playing, like that or not, whatever. Pete Rose, I don't think, had 150 home runs in his career. It wasn't about launch angle. It was about winning games and moving runners over and getting on base and all those things. Yeah. And I think we're starting to get away from, from that type of, of philosophy of, hey, what you just described, Fred, about Chris Bryant. Yeah. You're getting away from that until let's you know, hit it out. And not everybody is made to hit it out. Some players have the ability to do other things inside that game that help you win a game. To me, the most important stat of all, is win. That's it. Nobody keeps track. Uh-huh. This team had tremendous analytics, but they were 70 and, and 92. Let's put them in the World Series. Visiting with Ned Kaledi, a couple more quick minutes, busiest guy on the West Coast. So what's next? Everything in baseball ebbs and flows. Small ball. I haven't seen... I, I, I think Joe Madden here has two hit-and-runs he's put on this year. And uh, we understand the thinking behind why he doesn't. Maybe the next guy will hit a two-run homer, three-run homer, whatever. Uh, you don't see sack bunts. You don't see hit-and-run. But we've been around a game a while. You, me, and uh, Fred, Ned. Uh, eventually, some team is going to quietly, in one of their winter meetings, go, you know what? Let's start doing something in a couple of years. Let's plan now. Let's start getting some, uh, you know, fast guys. We're going to hit and run. We're going to butt and run. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to try to combat 29 other teams doing it the same way. Or, or is that a pipe dream? Is that something's never going to happen, do you think? No, I, I believe that is what's next. It's going to take a while to evolve to that point. 
But it's like you said earlier. It's like when all 30 teams have the same advantages or some may have a slightly greater advantage because of their expertise or their staff size or the brilliance of their staff. Some of those teams are still going to lose. Look at the standings. Not everybody is on the way to winning 100 games. You you still have the same almost type of standings that you've always had in the West. Out here, you got a lot of parity, but in some of the divisions, you got teams. Look at the AL East. You got Baltimore. How many games are they out? Hmm. You know, you've got you've got a typical baseball season unfolding, and I think as long as winning is part of why ownership and leaders are part of an organization, as long as winning is still part of it. They're going to continue to look for ways to win. And at some point in time, somebody's going to say, hey, how about if we stop having American League Team 9 guys trying to hit the ball out of the yard or <laughs> National League Team 8 guys? Right. Why don't we try and manufacture a run once in a while when we're getting beat one to nothing or we're tied one to one? And I think it will come back to some way. The best things in life have balance to them, whatever they are. Was the game the greatest without analytics? No, it was still a great game. Is the greatest right now with so much analytics? I don't necessarily think so, just an opinion. But I think the balance of the two is where it's got to sit at the end of the day. And I think it, it goes with shifts. It goes with all the different things that people see now that they haven't seen before. It, there's a lot of people who tell me that the game is starting to get boring to them. And you have that, and you have pace of game, time of game issues, and you have more strikeouts than hits. So if you're, if you're really analytical, you're taking all that information and you're saying, yeah. hey, at some point in time, we've got to adjust this. Okay. Yeah, you, you would think so. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people, I mean, the people that are, you know, the stat guys, the analytics, they all tell you that you don't, there's 27 outs. You don't want to give any away. So anytime someone squares around a bunt, you get half of the people saying, you can't sacrifice bunt. That's not the way to win games. <laughs> so then, you know, yesterday, the White Sox were playing Chris Sale. They get a guy on second base. Yohan Moncada's up, and Moncada can't, you know, he's struggling. He's striking out more than anybody, I think, in the American League. Or, well, I'm sorry, I mentioned Joey Gallo earlier. Yeah. And Aaron Judge, he's third, is uh, Moncada. He hits a ground ball to second base, gets a runner over from second to third. Now, it wasn't a sacrifice bunt, yeah. but he moved the runner around. And despite the fact he struck out the other three times, I liked what Moncada did as a small little thing, but the Sox win one nothing. That was that was a key factor in the game. What's your thought about the whole sacrifice bunt and giving away and out? Well, also obviously the clock to the game. There's no other clock to the game. Mm-hmm. I know it's a pitch clock stuff like that, but the game is a Saturday on house. So yeah, they do have value. But if you're having a tough time, and you know I didn't see the game you're referring to, but if you're having a tough time against a guy like Chris Sale. And you have a chance to score a run, and it's going to mean sacrificing an out to do it. Mm-hmm. You've got to do it, yeah. Because if he's standing on first base, you're either going to need an extra base hit or two more hits against a guy that doesn't allow much of that to happen. And and the game changes when you do get a runner in scoring position. Do I do it every inning? No. Do I do it every game? No. Do I do it when it calls for it? Absolutely. <laughs> Final minute with Ned Coletti visiting with uh, Murph and Fred on ESPN 1000. The book itself, Fred, and I know you've thumbed through mine, the big, yep. the big chair. Now, the last 15 minutes with Ned, it's terrific. He's serious, Ned. He's the general manager uh, of the Dodgers and longtime assistant GM Giants and the Cubs. And he can break down baseball as you've been listening. But he's also a great storyteller. This guy can, he can make, he can uh, give you some stories and they're funny. And a lot of those are also in 
of the big chair. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot here, Ned, because you probably wrote this book about a year ago. Uh, but you've got a story here about Tommy Lasorda in the wrong clubhouse down at Double A. You got your yeah. story about one of your all-time favorite times when you got to actually meet and hang out with Frank Sinatra at a dinner for a couple hours. And, and Frank looks over and <laughs> says, can you relate to either of those or something else from the, the book, all those great stories? Give us one before we spring you, please. Well, that's a... Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for letting me do it. It's um, I probably should have known this or not earlier, so I could think about it a little bit without taking up airtime here. Um, you know, Tommy Lasorda has always been obviously uh, somebody that's a um, a legend in the game of sport, and I, I've known him a long time. But when I worked for the Cubs, he was managing the Dodgers, and he took a liking to me because, as Tommy would say, it's not because you're Italian; it's because I'm Italian. <laughs> in Tommy's words, but I had a couple different instances with him, including the, the clubhouse and. and Chattanooga, Tennessee, when he goes in, and he's so fired up to be there. So he gives the rah-rah speech. Uh Uh, He walks in the clubhouse before game time, before game time, and gives this rah-rah speech about how we're going to play for the name on the front, not the name on the back, and how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that. And his language is getting a little salty. And he says, so let's go, let's go, you know, kick their tail. And the manager taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, hey, you guys are in the other clubhouse, you know. So, you know, he was so fired up, but he was in the wrong room, you know. But, uh, you know, that's a quick one. The Lasorda, the Sinatra one, having dinner was great. Great Chicago one, Tom Dreesen, uh, was the person who I had dinner with, uh, and Frank was also. I'm, I don't want to sound like, uh, like Frank joined us. No, I joined Frank, yeah. thanks to, thanks to Dreesen. But real quickly, Sinatra said that, uh, he had grown up a Giants fan in, um, in Hoboken, New Jersey. Polo grounds where the New York Giants played right across the river. You know, and Tommy loved Frank, and Frank used to visit Tommy all the time at Dodger Stadium, and Tommy had a wall in his office, all him and Frank pictures. So we had a game in um, in uh, Dodger Stadium. We had signed Hershiser with San Francisco for one year in 98. We go to this game, Brian Sabian, my boss in San Fran, uh, and we're sitting with Lasorda, and, and Sabian doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be in this booth with Tommy. It's a nationally televised game. Uh, and you want the cameras up there seeing the Dodgers GM, which Tommy was, and the, and the Giants GM, which Brian was, and me sitting in between him. He didn't want to do it. So he's quiet. And now I've got to figure out conversation. And so I tell the story to Tommy that Frank was actually a Giants fan and that I got it from a pretty good authority who would know. And Mr. Sinatra was deceased at this time, so there was no way to go back in time and, and ask him the question. And Tommy was furious. And this went on for two innings where he was out of his mind that I had told him that Frank was actually a Giants fan. And Frank admitted he loved, he loved Tom, uh, he loved, you know, Tommy. He was sure. close to Tommy. But he said, I couldn't help it. It's where I grew up. It's the lights I saw. We know that as a kid. You see Wrigley Field. You know, you know that that's my team. And this uh. went on. And finally, Tom, Tommy says, you guys, you got to go. Out. I've had it. You got to go. This is blasphemous what you're doing. This is so wrong. And he throws us out. We get out in the hallway, and Sabian looks at me and says, you couldn't have told that story two innings earlier? Because he didn't want to be there anyway, you know? So anyway, it's loaded with stuff yeah. like that. You know what? It gives people a chance to look at the x-ray, to look at what it takes to be a GM. The Maddox deal is in there when, oh. I'll say we, because it was part of my mm-hmm. my team then. When the Cubs lost them to Atlanta, there's about 30 pages of very distinct step-by-step things that occurred 
all those cut fans and wonder what happened. You could read that and you get a little bit clearer view. And uh, for the book, not for now, but uh, when you ended up uh, at a, a dinner, uh, a Frank saw you after a concert and he says, come on and join me at, the, at dinner. And oh, boy, okay. And you're sitting there a couple hours, right? And uh, dinner and big table. He's holding court. And he looks over at you. Looks over at you and uh, your partner. Goes, after he had said, "Come on, join me for dinner." Said, oh yes, sir. And you're there a couple hours. He looked over at you guys, and what did he say? He said, I can't say it all on the air, Murph. But he he sort of said, "And who the blank? you guys? Who the blank of those two guys <laughs> with you all night for dinner? <laughs> the big chair." And uh, always appreciate a few minutes talking baseball with the great pre- talking baseball with you guys. All right, too, I want to take a course at Pepperdine and learn a little bit. Thanks. I just want to go to Pepperdine. I forget. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go to class. I just want to go to the school. Fred, when I got out of East, when I got out of East Lyon High School, they wouldn't even let me drive by a place like Pepperdine. <laughs> <laughs> the big chair, check it out. Thanks, Ned. Thanks, Ned. Hey, gentlemen, have a great day. Okay. Uh, up against the clock. A couple callers wanted to jump in. Sorry, we didn't have time, especially Bill on the road there. Hey, you're looking for hey. that neighborhood gem of a restaurant. You know the place with a cozy atmosphere and impeccable menu. Not an easy find. Here is some advice. Go with experience. Vincitori, that's right, Italian cuisine served in a casual trattoria setting in the heart of Westmont. It's downtown. It's right smack dab in the middle of downtown Westmont. Great Vincent, restaurant. Great Vincitori's place. menu features exquisite pasta, seafood steaks, veal chops, and more all freshly prepared daily, featuring owner and Chef Bob's individual style. Head to Vincitori tonight and feast on some incredible Italian dishes paired with tantalizing wine. For reservations, info, and salivating photos, head to Vincitori.com. That's V-I-N-C-I-T-O-R-I.com. Looks like the rain is cleared, though. You know what? I'm not Tracy Butler here, so I can't... Uh... I love this show! Yeah. I love Thank this you. show! But looks like they'll uh, be playing, so come on downtown, all you Cub fans, if you are... Heading down this way, you should be all right. Uh, of course, bring protection. Don't you know? Nothing for me to tell rain you. Gear. Rain gear. Rain yeah. gear. That's another way to phrase it. Uh-huh. Thank you for your help as always. <laughs> there. And uh, when we return, maybe try to shoehorn in some more NBA, uh, some Bears uh, nuggets from this week. Hey, the draft is next week already, isn't it? Or two weeks from now? Getting there. Now. Usually, it's right after the NBA draft or we'll, NBA finals are over. We'll try to put a bow on uh, Cubs and Sox exciting wins last night. Cubs lineup is in. All that and much, much more. But we'll have the results of our uh, most recent Twitter poll. I was trying to slide this on with EO11 for Ned, but we ran out of time. Last chance vote right now. I can't wait to get the results. Baseball statistical analysis, A, B, C, or D. A, it's going to just keep getting bigger and bigger and better. B, are you kidding me? It's peaked. What more can they do? C, I love as many stats as I can get. D, I'm burned out on all these numbers. Vote now. At ESPN 1000. Fly ball well hit to left. And it is caught! He did it again! What a game for Ian Happ. The hat trick in left. Cubs win! Cubs win! 3-1 the final. The infield in, Chris Sale to Trace Thompson. And a line drive cracks the score column for the Sox. 
Thompson scores Smith. It is one to nothing. Highlights. Courtesy of good old WGN TV and NBC Sports Chicago. Not yet. 30 minutes. Nah, I wait till I get home. Taking the train. Take the train. So it doesn't matter. You can, you can pound yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of embarrassed to shot admit here, this. Shot there. Took the uh, took an Uber for the first time. Yeah. Old, old Grandpa Murph. Today? Well, no. Oh, okay. Earlier in the week. Yeah. I, I take him. It's it's good. Took the it works uh, out well. Metra. It's about 12 blocks from where I live. And I uh, you know, it's a long walk. I've been walking all day. It's hilly. Yeah. Hey, boom, boom, boom. It works even better if yeah. uh, when you Uber, they yeah. pick you up where you're at. There have been numerous times where, you know, they would call me, hey, where you at? I said, we're right where it says on the map. Oh, it's got you two blocks away. Well, that happened. Yeah. My first time. Yeah. I get off at the train station. Sure. And uh, there's no address yeah. of a, the train station. Right. So, uh, but yeah, but they got a GPS. It oh, should I be know. able to figure but it out. Around like this big horseshoe drive through by uh, the train station, yeah. uh, there is a like seven story apartment building. So I'm waiting at three minutes, two minutes, one minute, you know, down to zero. And I'm looking and there's a car parked about a block and a half away. I said, I bet. And then my phone rings. Where are you, Mr. Murphy? Yeah. I said, waving at you right here. So it was, uh, yeah. First, it happens. First time for everything. It happens. Let's bring in uh, EO11. Now, of all the Twitter polls over the many, many years, this one I'm almost the most intrigued and clueless, again, as to what the results are going to be. Uh, we wanted to slide this on with uh, Ned, uh, but we ran out of time. Ba- here's here were the uh, it was the multiple choice baseball stats, the analysis, the metrics, the analytics. You call it what you wish. A, it's going to just keep getting bigger and bigger. B, it's peaked. There can't be any more numbers that are left that are new. Uh, C, I love baseball stats, all stats. Give me as many as I can get. D, I'm burned out on all these numbers. Uh-huh. Fred. I don't have a clue as to where the voting's going. This I be, I, I can't even begin to guess. What What do you think? What was B? I think I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. Number one, it's going to keep getting bigger. B, it's peaked. There can't be like many more numbers coming. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's peaked. I know. I know I'm wrong. Okay. But. Or I love them, or I'm burned out on them. All right, EO11. I have no clue. Tell me first. Tell us first. Was it sort of closer? Is there a runaway winner? Uh, there was a winner, clear winner, but votes were definitely spread out. Okay. Definitely spread out. So at the bottom with 9% is just, I love my stats. Okay. 23% in third is, I'm burned out. Okay. Second is 19% with, has peaked. That order was wrong. That okay. would be third place, is burned out. Okay, right, the- <laughs> right, sure. 49% says it will keep continuing to grow and get bigger and bigger. Well, yeah. that's I'm pretty sure it will. I mean, we know that's true. Yeah. But... Are there significant numbers still available? I mean, what more can be uh, quantitative? I don't. Well, here's the other thing: Do I am I supposed to care that Daniel Polk hits the ball 108 miles an hour? <laughs> I mean, it, why am I supposed to care about that? Uh huh. I know they say, well, he hits the ball hard. Okay, but if he if he only does that once in a while, like when he hits the ball, isn't what his batting average is a little bit more important than his launch angle and his his, you know, the the speed off his bat. I don't, I don't, 
I don't get it. See, as we said, uh, talked with Ned Coletti, longtime baseball executive. Uh, all 30 teams now have huge analytic departments. Yep. You know, I, I'll bet you the Cubs easily, I sh- I'm guessing, have 30 full-time, well-paid oh, employees. Yeah, probably. I bet you that maybe they have more. The Red Sox, I wouldn't be surprised if they have 50. Maybe some markets like San Diego, financially, the owner just doesn't want to allocate, you know, 30, 40 headcount salaries, you know, everything. But now they all have to scramble. See to find something new to justify while they're while they, they're yeah. there, so uh, there'll always be new numbers. I understand that. Yeah, but do they help and do they mean anything? I don't know. Yeah, Joey Gallo's got a tremendous. Uh, you know, <laughs> the ball flies off his bat. He's hitting two oh five with the two ninety five on base. Right. Why am I supposed to worry about it? Aaron Judge is uh, two seventy one three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So there you go. He's a, he, not a bad average. His on base is almost four, but because he's going to walk more. Uh, he's walked 46 times this year, and I would not be surprised if that's number one in, well, number one in baseball in walks. That is the top three guys in baseball, Trout, Harper, and Judge. Yeah, top three in walks. Why would you throw him a strike? Yeah, basically. Yeah. With Trout, Harper, and, uh, you know, and, and you look down the list. And, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Schwarber's, Schwarber's in there, too, actually. Fred, you had the, uh, Cubs uh, starting lineup of our two right here. Why don't we bring it up to anyone in the car heading over right now? Oh, your leadoff man. See if he leads off for more than four days this week. It's Chris Bryant. He is playing short, uh, third base. Shortstop would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Playing third base and leading off Jason Hayward in right field batting second. Ben Zobris at second base hitting third. Anthony Rizzo is your first baseman hitting fourth. Wilson Contreras behind the plate. <laughs> Got a little Pat Hughes in you. Yes. Kyle Schwarber is hitting... Um, Sixth, he is in left field. Mm -hmm. Ian Happ back in the lineup instead of left. He's in center. Mm -hmm. Then um, Russell is back in the lineup. Addison Russell, after he got a uh, late appearance last yesterday. And the first um, ball was hit to him right away, of course. Of course. Uh Uh, He is playing shortstop, hitting eighth. And Mm -hmm. it's uh, John Lester on the hill, uh, hitting ninth. So Elmora gets the day off. Uh, Hat moves. Baez gets the day off too. And Baez. Hat moves yesterday from uh, left field to center. Schwab's in there in left. As you just uh, said, Fred, uh, Baez gets the day off. Russell in. Maybe Joe figured that Baez was playing too much because he couldn't give him time off because when he wasn't playing second, he was playing short because Russell was out. Zobrist uh, stays at second in the three hole. Correct? So, they're, so they're, uh, yeah. So the yeah. bench right now is, is, um, Baez. Right. Um, Almora, Almora, Jimenez, right. and uh, who's the other guy? One more guy. Um, Almora, Jimenez. Oh, I hate when you do this to me. Yeah, I know. It's the other. Everyone's uh, yelling right now at their radio. Yeah, Man, you idiots. Uh, Lestella. I always forget Lestella. Lestella. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, right. right. Jesse's guy. Yeah. How do you forget Tommy Lestella? So those are the <laughs> four guys off the bench today. Right. Right. That's all they have. Uh, vote right now. Our final Twitter poll of the day. Little Bears talk for you. Which of the following two, Chicago Bears will have the bigger year. Kevin White, Adam Shaheen. Oh, let me think about that. Who will have uh, the bigger year of these two Bears? Kevin White, Adam Shaheen. I've been reading a lot about Kevin White. He's, you know, he's looking good, running the routes, fired up. You know, he's out there. And the, well, you know, his last year of, a, of the guarantee to try to, you know, get the uh, longer term coming up. Or 
You don't hear as much about Adam Shaheen. No, you don't hear much at all. Now, I don't know if that's because he's just sort of lost in the shuffle. I still, I've always liked him. I know. I don't know why. And last right. year didn't help me. But... I still think the more you read about the uh, new offensive uh, schemes, at least new to us as Bears fans, you know, it, it, they're going to find a place, I believe, to put this Adam Shaheen in there and often uh, in in new formations we as Bears fans haven't seen in years. Yeah, there's no uh, doubt. Hey, uh, the White Sox lineup has just come out. Mm-hmm. White Sox don't play till 3 o'clock today, 3 o'clock, but it's going to be Carlos Rodon. With his first start of the season. Since surgery a year ago, right? Or yeah. over the winter, was it? Yeah. You have um, Anderson leading off at short. Jose Rondon playing third for the second time in maybe, the uh, major leagues. Maybe he'll lay another 89-foot bunt right down the line. Maybe, a, they'll change, uh, uh, maybe they'll change the way they uh, groom <laughs> the uh, third base line. Yes. Abreu is hitting third. Davidson DH is fourth. Kevin Smith, who was doing a great job framing the pitches last uh-huh. night, yes. got a lot of strikes called for uh, Dylan Covey. He is hitting a fifth, and Moncada at second base, sixth. Thompson is in center field. Daniel Polka in right field. Charlie Tilson in left. Tilson's a heck of a pretty good damn, uh, pretty damn good player uh, in the outfield. And uh, Engel is still out. He's got a hammy. So uh, Adam Engel's out, so Polka's got to be uh, out in right field, which is not an easy right field at Fenway. No, uh, they were breaking that down, and uh, you, you would think that it's easy because you think, oh, the pesky pole, oh. so it should, but it goes out deep quick. Yeah. yeah, and plus, you know what? If they would have got to the ball early yesterday, there was a play where Kevin Smith doubled. It was a ball that was up in the air. The right fielder didn't get there really quick. Yes. The ball bounced into the stands. Now, if you got there quicker, right. he could have prevented it from going into the stands and kept it as a single instead of a double. But, you know, those little things. You know where the boat pen, of course, is in uh, Fenway Park? Both teams yeah. are out there and right. Yep. Did you know, but until Ted Williams, that was, the bullpens were along the sidelines, uh, foul territory like Wrigley right. Field. That was all open area. You think the right field's big now when it goes back towards what they call the triangle and right. all that? They put the bullpen in, in like the second or third year of Ted Williams to help him hit more home runs. Oh, one thing, we, we've been praising, yeah. uh, Jason Hayward, cause, uh, you know, earlier yeah. today we talked to how he could hit 420 this year, uh, and we laid it out for you how he could do it. That but was the, that was the what if bell. There was a ball hit, was it yesterday or two days ago? He went back to right field. It was yesterday. He went all the way back and he pulled away from the wall thinking the ball was going to go off the wall. Now, there's no reason for a right fielder, Wrigley Field, or a left fielder to go away from the wall. It's not a high wall. Go back to the wall. If you can't get it, it's going to be in the basket. Home run or nothing. The ball landed on the warning track. Yeah. If he would have continued going back, right. gold glove right fielder, he would have caught the ball. He decided against going all the way to the wall, and he turned around and looked. He looked as the ball bounced on the warning track. I could not believe he did that. Now, that was the uh, double to right center. And on close inspection, the ball actually, literally, if you wish, it kissed the front top of the basket where there's like a little yellow line. It's actually a garden hose that they bought at Ace Hardware Uh when they built the basket back in 1970. But it just kissed that. So it was actually about two inches 
from being in the basket. But you're right. What I'm saying is no, there's I no know. point for him to go away from the wall. Right. Because if you're going to bounce, if you're going to catch it off the wall, you right. can jump to the top of the of the basket. Because he was or to there. The bottom of the it basket. wasn't like he was uh, unable exactly. to get there in time. It was a poor play. Whoever the right. outfield coach is for the <laughs> Chicago Cubs got to figure it out and explain it to him. Because if I had Jason Hayward here right here now, you're right. I would say, you know what? You cost your pitcher a double. It hit the old ace yellow guard nose. Yes. If you ever there, it intertwines through the top of the chain link fence yeah. all the way from right to left field. And they wash it like every three months so it's nice and it's a garden hose. Again, just a little thing, <laughs> but you want to, you got to point these things out. You can't let these things go. Murphy and Fred back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Busy day. Glad you've been with us. Uh, all right, Fred, let's uh, get the results. EO11, slide on in here, buddy. And EO11. What was the, uh, let's go backwards. Uh, the most recent Twitter poll question. Uh, I want to hear the results. Which Chicago Bear will have the bigger year coming up? Kevin White, Adam Shaheen, the longtime wide receiver, Kevin White, or second-year tight end. What did the fans say? 64% of the fans voted for Adam Shaheen. Huh. And a lot, a lot of comments saying, I've given up on Kevin White. There Kevin White's never going to be a thing. I think the only people that haven't given up on Kevin White are the coaches. So we'll have to wait and see. And they're paying him. He's going to be there until they're not paying him. 11 o'clock uh, poll. Baseball statistical analysis uh, is going to keep growing as it peaked. I love it. I hate it. Eric? 48% says it will keep growing. And will it help? We don't know. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is going to be as big as uh, Frank Thomas, Jose Abreu, Mags, or Avi. 38%. Oh, we oh. Maglio. <laughs> I had a Cub fan sabotage that one. Uh, by the way, no singing on the air for any of us next time. Chancy. I'm going to uh, call that a chance. Which was the worst exchange? A trade, Arietta Darvish, Brock Brolio, Eloy Quintana. Close one thirty nine percent Ariana Darvish. All right, well they haven't researched Brock and Brolio. Uh when does LeBron James decline begin? Already has next year, two years, uh or who knows? Also you, a close you one. Have, you didn't have one he signed for the Bulls, did you? Oh uh, yeah, gonna start that now. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it, no, well that's when the decline would start. The oh, day he signed with the Bulls, all of a sudden he'd decline. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Uh what'd they say? Close one, but 33% says, who knows? Hmm, okay. And back at 9 o'clock, if you weren't here, who was the uh, star of the game for the Cubs yesterday? Ian Happ, three big catches. Uh, Mike Montgomery, six, a third nice start in a row. Six innings pitched, one earned run. Or Chris Bryant, the new leadoff man. Uh, he went three for four. Uh, we thought the fans uh, would say, and we all, I think, sort of voted for Montgomery, but they yep. caught, they fooled us, right? They did. 53% of the fans voted for Happ in his three big plays. Probably because those were the only things they sh people showed on the news. All, yeah. of, all of his catches. Ground sinkers that uh, are rolled yeah. to second or short aren't exciting for the highlights? No, apparently not. Would have been tough to uh, win the game or go six innings without some nice catches. Yeah. But the fans said, Hap and Montgomery, we talked about that, and the exciting Sox a game to beat Chris Sale yesterday. One to nothing. Want to thank all our guests today. Jesse Rogers. Hey, down at Double A White Sox, play-by-play -play man Kurt Bloom uh, breaking down uh, what's uh, going on with Eloy Jimenez and the other All-Stars down there. And Ned Coletti uh, joined us. 
Man, oh. thanks, Eric Ostrowski, as always. He'll be with me tomorrow when I'm with Black and Abdallah. They'll talk about the NFL, and I'll listen. Murph and... I'm sorry, they'll talk about the NBA, and I'll listen. Murph and Fred Sand. Yeah, that's what I get for being cocky. I'll be listening. Murph and Fred Sand, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.